0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Tuesday, the 3rd of January. So your week's a bit shorter than it would be usually, but you've had a hell of a break. You might as well sort of get back into the swing of it, but I promise you this morning it is freezing cold. Lots happening on the programme, lots of stories, and we take your texts and emails. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk Including Tesco. They've reduced the price of ladies' razors. Uh, They've kicked hero Bobby into touch Another year and a new Britain, they say, plus the cycling legend who signed up for the jump. God knows why. And just when he thought it couldn't get worse, your cash is doled out in envelopes to people you've never even heard of. Oh, and the good news is Susan Boyle's companies have got £2.2 million in the bank. That's not bad, is it? That's given her an awful lot. And what did happen the night George Michael died? The papers take some very, very wild guesses. All of that and more this morning. It's almost a gift, isn't it? Really, sometimes when it happens like that, you just sort of—you've never heard it before—and da 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 da. And I ride the music. I ride the music. You know, small orchestra. <laughs> I can remember years ago we used to have a competition when I used to work for uh, for a, a station that used to play music, and they would play you something brand new, and you could have to guess when the vocals came in. And I was always quite good at things like that. I could just hear it. I don't know why, as I say, it's a gift. Some people have it, some people don't have it. Brian Woodlake died the other day, which was very interesting, actually, because Brian Woodlake was with LBC. They've, they've, they've tried to make out in the obituary that Brian Woodlake was just all BBC, but he wasn't, because after he finished at the BBC, he came to LBC... And uh, he was eighty-five. I did actually bump into he. He enjoyed a sherbet <laughs> in Primwood Lake, but I think he came from that generation of newsmen who, and I think he did the first Nelson Mandela interview. I think that's I think that's what he did, and uh, he came from that generation of newsmen who were permanently befuddled by life, and in fact we had a, quite a few. I think most of the news programs. Would uh, could tell you stories, chapter and verse, of the famous newsreaders over the years who were a wee bit sherbetised when they used to go on air. And Brian Woodlake was no different. He used to love the old sherbet. But I can, I can give you a whole list of, of presenters who enjoyed a sherbet and, in fact, worked better with a sherbet on air. I mean, one of them was so, was so tiddled at ITN. He nearly fell under the desk on a few occasions. It was, it was so funny. People just did that. It was, it was a, different, a different sort of fleet street, I suppose. It was, it was the hard-bitten journalists uh, who would go out there and drink. And so when I heard that Brian Woodlake had died, and they were saying all about the BBC... No, he finished his life with LBC. And uh, it was us, that he used to do uh, a programme in the afternoon. I know that because my friend Chris used to drive the programme for him. So there you go. Uh, does Britain's most popular face scrub make you look older? Oh, God, I hope not. I don't use a face scrub. I use um, one of those um, things that's got the little beads in, little little tiny beads. And you sort of you exfoliate gently, you know, and that gives me this perfect skin. Well, this and a few other little helpful things, uh, which we were, we were talking about earlier on. Actually, somebody was saying to me because twice this morning, twice I know. I'm just, hello, just a fact, just a fact. I merely pointed it out as a fact. <laughs> Vitamin E, full, and. Um, uh, and then and twice this morning, Tom Tom Watters, who was producing Nigel Farage, says to me, he said, you smell nice this morning because I'm wearing this very expensive aftershave. And blow me down. Aussie bloke came in because the, the sort of aftershave he knows is, and then you know, that's it. And uh, and he also commented, so oh, you, you smell very nice this morning. I immediately put HR on speed dial. I thought I'm not messing around with this one at all. I said, it's my new expensive aftershave. And, um, and it, this is this creed. Which is it's quite clearly noticeable because when I got in the car this morning, the driver it was coughing his way all the way back. So I thought he wasn't actually used to hearing or smelling. Uh, but I was tempted to say it's Creed, you know, and he was sitting there going, <coughs> <coughs> So I'd obviously overdone it a little bit, <laughs> a bit like too much brute, I suppose. Uh, the Disney uh, trip that never happened and the kid, ooh, all very disappointed because if you're looking forward to going to see Mickey Mouse and then it doesn't happen, you get a bit depressed, don't you? You get a bit, a bit sort of fed up with it, and also the Woolies Willies is not mammoth. Uh, and the, the 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 thing is, they said, oh, it was because it was cold. It's got nothing to do with it being cold or anything else. I mean, penguins manage it, don't they? For goodness' sake, and and all these other animals out there. It doesn't make any difference, does it, in the cold? Although I did, I was watching that Attenborough program. Oh, I love it. He's so clever. At one point, they had a little tiny gazelle type creature, which was running away from a wolf. And whilst the wolf was closing, and I'm sitting there on the edge of the settee, nearly spilling the Prosecco, and I'm hanging on to it, and, and the and the wolf is, is gaining on it, but then the good thing is that these little gazelles, even very young gazelles, have got limitless energy, and this thing just bounded, and gradually the wolf went slower and slower, and I thought, oh, thank God for that. I know eventually the poor animal is going to have to succumb to wolves, but you do worry about it, don't you? I always think, well, oh, interfere. can't kill the wolf, do something. And of course, they can't. They can't do anything right. like that. So yesterday was a lovely day. I, I got back to Waterloo Station and looked up on the board. I didn't see really any trains that were were going my way. And there's obviously something they were doing, whether or not it was a, a problem on the lines or it was part of the uh, the resurfacement, or the, doing some major work. So I, I'm sort of standing there looking, thinking... Right, where can I get near to? I could get to Teddington or something like that and then get the bus back from Teddington. And um, in the end, I um, I was sort of standing there and I heard somebody going, thief oh, god I always think it's somebody with a cold or something, so I never take a blind bit of notice. And uh, it's a friend of mine down there who's been listening to LBC. In fact, he reminded me of some things from LBC years ago that took place probably about 35, 40 years ago nearly. Uh, when we went to a village in, in Cricklewood. I don't know what it was for, because I can't quite remember, but he remembers it vividly, because he would have been a, just a little lad, and he said, he said you need to change at Clapham Junction. And he's looking on the board, get, Platform 2. Luckily, we were standing opposite Platform 2, so I get on the train, and I can't, can't remember it was going to, but, it, but I, I get off at, at Clapham Junction, and then have to go to Platform 6, and a Reading train came in, which obviously had just come from somewhere else, because it sat at the platform for about five minutes, before they opened the doors. We're all standing there, freezing our bits off, and eventually we get off, and then I get off, and then I decide to go and do some shopping and I thought what 's okay uh, so I go to Richmond because I was going to go to get some I bought some big um night lights, tea lights, but they 're big they 're about that round, and uh, so that 's quite yeah about three inches across, I think something like that and and they 're big ones, and they last really well in these little um Tyrolean scenes that i 've got in these glass jars for putting. Um, tea lights in and then it shines through the the picture and all the. And it looks looks quite nice I bought them and they've got Christmas scenes on so of course knowing me I'll be using them all year round so I thought I'll I'll go to Richmond see if I can buy any but I didn't but I go to Robert Dias and they've got they always have something unusual in Robert Dias I either buy a saucepan in there only yesterday I bought I should have brought it in to show you not that it would have made any difference to you but it it looks like a light switch and you screw it to the wall then it's got little magnets on and when you flick the switch up up I don't know why Normally it would be down. It's obviously made somewhere else. And um, and the whole thing lights up. It's got like powerful LEDs in it. And so you can put it in a wardrobe. If you don't have it, You know, sometimes you go to your wardrobe, and you go, I can't see a bloody thing in it. And you put this on the wardrobe. They're only four ninety nine, so I bought two of those. I don't need them. I've just, you know, because I've got lights in the wardrobe anyway. I'm just a bit stupid. I buy these things. I thought, I'll go to Kingston. So just as I come out of Robert Dyer's, so I go round the corner, and there's a bus that's got... Kingston 371, but it's a single-decker. Well, I should have realised. Normally, I get the double-decker 65, because I know my buses. Uh, and that's great. Then you can have a look into people's gardens, and, you know, if there's sunbathing naked, you can see them from the top of the bus. I've always got the camera ready. Uh, this 371 going to Kingston... From Richmond goes all round the houses. It goes, it, I was so bored. In the end, I wish I'd bought sandwiches. It was seriously a dull, dull journey. Eventually, when I get off, I thought, well, it better be it better be open, John Lewis. I'd only get there and discover it. Luckily, it was open. And everybody asks me the same now Do you have a John Lewis card? Do you have a boots card? Do you have a this? No, I haven't. No, I'm a cash person, you know. And so I, I bought the, uh, the candles, I'm very pleased with, and a few other little bits and pieces. And then I had an urge for Yopley. Now, Yoplait is drinking yoghurt. It's like it's thick, glutinous, but it goes down a treat and I love it in strawberry flavour. I wish they did banana, but they don't do banana flavour. And so I'm looking around the shelves in Waitrose. They don't do it. Well, if they did, I couldn't see it. But what I did discover was gold top milk. (gasps) Now, the last time we had gold top milk, you remember Kevin brought it in and I haven't had gold top milk since I was a since I was a lad. And uh, this is Graham's, a family dairy, gold top with cream at the top. And it's a litre bottle. And it's... Jer- oh, so it's dripping. And it's Jersey, full... I've oh, got it all over my fingers now. I've to lick it off. It's... um, it's And it's really delicious. And I felt really guilty buying it. So I bought two litres just to really, really make sure that the guilt had set in properly. And it was absolutely delicious. In- I haven't actually dared drink a glass full of it which we did when Kevin brought it in, because it was ice cold. I promise you, it was like liquid cream. You could just pour it down your throat. Glug, 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 glug. Oh, wow. It was delicious. But in, in coffee, it's very nice. But I'm tempted to say, it's, it's really lovely. So that was, my, uh, that was my treat yesterday. It's a rock and roll lifestyle, isn't it? I tell you, you must, be, you must be quite jealous if you're listening to me at the moment that I've got this rock and roll lifestyle in which, you know, just doing simple things like buying a bottle of milk can be turned into something entertaining on the radio. Other programmes listen to this and they go, what's he talking about? Bottle of milk. Bottle of milk. Yeah, he talked about a bottle of milk. For how long? Don't know, about seven minutes, I think. What's he talking about that for? Because he went and bought a bottle of milk. And he talks about this on his show. He does. Do people listen to that? Apparently so. Apparently so. Quite a number of people. The 4am spike is there and it just wipes all the... Because nobody else is doing this. You flip around. Go on, do it now. You can try it now. I'm, you're going to come back here, I know. You know, go around. Listen to all the other radio stations. Anybody talking about a bottle of milk? There you go. Told you. Back you come. You know, you're coming back because you've got no idea, the same as me, what, what's going to be happening on the programme between now and seven. It'll be entertaining. It'll be light-hearted. Uh, because I did say the other day that being on over Christmas and having uh, a couple of days of doing the breakfast show, was it three days? Three days, wasn't it? Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Day. Every day I had a disaster. <laughs> Every day there was something to do. I didn't have a day where, where I came in and I thought, oh, good, I'd better talk about Christmas decorations or something. There was always something quite serious to talk about. It was either the death of George Michael or we had turkey. Uh, we had, oh, it was just everything. One after the other, catalogue of things. But very interesting, proving that we can we can literally adapt to most situations. There's not many things we can't talk about, including a bottle of, uh, of gold top milk which I might use as my featured joke throughout the programme, but I've decided there are other things in the paper, including the uh, the orange monkeys on the brink of extinction, uh, plus the face scrub, and also the Harrods restaurant staff, who apparently lose five grand in cash each year because uh, Harrods don't pass on the tips. And I thought to myself, why would they not pass on? That's the whole idea, isn't it? I thought, I mean, I'm not tipping Harrods. And bearing in mind, they're not the only ones. Loads of people do this. If I if I give a tip to somebody, I'm expecting it to go to them or to go into a pot to be shared out. That's what I'm thinking. And so what I tend to do is, if I'm in a restaurant I know, I get them to cross the service charge off and I give it to my server. Because that's, it's, it's, that's their tip. They've actually done a good job. Why should they do a good job and somebody else gets the benefit? So, uh, you know... Uh we have to ask the question as well this morning what did happen the night that George Michael died the answer is they don't know any more than i know or could guess and so they've guessed most of the time they want to know they want to know about Faddy his boyfriend of 4 years were they still an item uh you know did he really sleep in his car outside uh now they've managed to find friends of George Michael so called friends who say that George never really liked him i mean they don't know this there's no evidence to suggest this at all. Uh, is there any money going out to other people in the will? Uh, some people say he didn't change the will from when he was going out with Kenny, uh, the guy he went out with for many, many years. But there again, George had an open relationship. You know, George could go off with who he, who he wanted. because to, He's George Michael. It's, n- it's nothing new in gay relationships people do do that a lot of people have open relationships they come back to each other but they stay there in an open relationship so the papers have sort of guessed at what happened on that night did he take drugs did he try and kill himself as has been suggested the answer is why would he why would he He was back in the recording studio that would be a pointless thing to do you know was he in love with faddy or you know as some of the papers have suggested it must be really absolutely galling If you're going out with somebody and then the person that you're going out with dies and then somebody goes, of course, you know, he never loved you. He thought you were a leech. And you think, well, he didn't kind of say that when we were in bed together, did he? So they're kind of sort of trying to drum up something. And then no doubt, depending on how the how the will pans out, if indeed there was a new one, which I don't think there was, you know, which would indicate to me that he wasn't planning on taking his own life because he would have changed the will. But if it's the same will, that's when you can work that out. But we'll we'll go through some of the uh, some of the guesses. And, uh, and the other story was the, the retailer complaining about the slump in shoppers. Oh, well, pardon me for not crying, because I've never seen so many people out in Kingston the other day. Every shop was heaving. Slump in shoppers. load of old codswallop, isn't it? No pleasing some of these people, is there? No pleasing them.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, pretty Nice to be company. It's Tuesday. Normally we'd be going, it's Monday, got to go back to work. But now we're going, it's Tuesday, got to go back to work. And you're going, I'm not getting up i'm gonna phone up sick i can't make it so i've got this uh, this flu virus get the rest of the week off always works doesn't it you don't want to you don't want to go into work on a cramped train people brushing up against you probably not smelling as nice as i do and you know people who sort of sit there and then they get their croissant out don't they oh god the boring croissant eaters on the train they've got the cup of coffee in one hand and they lurch and then they go oh i've had enough of this i think i'm do my makeup and so they start doing their makeup and you think, but you're a man. And they start putting it all on, and then you suddenly realise it's a trans train you're on. You're not just on any old train. It's a trans train, and that makes it marginally more exciting for people. Uh, also, there's a copper who's lied uh, about her partner. He was too ill to go to work, but in fact, he was he was caught pushing a pram, and somebody caught him on on video. Uh, unfortunately, his, his partner, a woman, working for the same police force, lied. And... Um, and so, consequently, you know they've uh, they fired her, but kept him on, which is always very interesting, isn't it? Uh, food unwrapped. I say, gold top milk is good for you, better than skimmed. It really isn't. I mean, it's lovely milk. Don't get me wrong, but it's calorie laden. It's so calorie laden. It's ridiculous. And uh, somebody says here, I was told today, obviously by somebody who's a bit stupid, that George left his hairdresser fifty million. No. No, I'm sorry to... Why are people so stupid? Honestly, you do get dumb people. What it had said in the papers more than four days ago was he's left his sister 50 million. How do... It, nobody's seen the will. Nobody's seen the will. Why do people... I was told today, and you think, by whom? Another Looney Tunes person who just makes up things? Lidl, they do their own version of yacht play, and it tastes just as good, and they do banana. Yeah, I've not been in Lidl. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure it's lovely, but not for me. But if they do a banana one, I might have to... Uh, to try that. Tom says, that's it, I'm heading to Waitrose in Twickenham. I got it in Kingston actually, you'd be better off going to Kingston we don't, that's not to say we don't really want you in, uh, in, in Twickenham, but uh, Kingston was one I thought I've never even tried to get it in the other one, I suppose they must do it, but it looks delicious but it's, the trouble is, it's a plastic bottle and I was used to glass bottles, and I, I quite fancy that, but it's still gold top milk and it's still absolutely delicious it, it tastes quite nice in, uh, in a cup of coffee and it certainly perks you up in the morning. You know when you need to, you need that little boost. You know, years ago people would go uh, double decaf, and uh, and that and you have that. It's like, woo! God, you're up on the ceiling. Uh, and it's a bit like that this morning. I'm a bit, I'm a bit sort of not not sort of not wired for sound, but I'm certainly cooking with gas we've got Tom Daly coming in this morning at nine thirty. Looking forward to that. He's probably equally as excited at home going going in to see Steve Allen today. And I'm assuming they put him up in a hotel because he lives. I thought he lived down. Sort of Portsmouth, Plymouth way, something like that. And uh, so he'll be coming in, uh, doing a few of his interviews, which I'm very much looking forward to uh, talking to him about. And his book. He's got a book out. It's, it's one of these books I'm going to get depressed over. You know, it's, they've got pictures of people who are lean, people who are very lean. Well, Nigel Farage, is producer, is very lean. He's a very slim... There's no, there's no fat on Tom Watters at all. I mean, absolutely no fat on him. And I look at him, and I said to him this morning, I said, what you need to do is tweet a picture of you with your shirt off to give inspiration to those of us who are slightly overweight that if, you know, if we go for 10-mile runs in the morning, we too can have a body like yours. But I, I need that impetus. I need that inspiration. It's either that or Mr M's uh, producer... Uh, Dave from over the other side, he's also... Get, but I, I firmly am of the opinion that there are those people in the world for whom the word fat does not exist. Even if they never did a day's exercise in their life, they would always be slim. They could eat everything because they process it differently. You know, us fat boys got to stick together because, you know, we are people for whom, no matter what we eat, be it three cream cakes or two curries and some Chinese food and Indian food, for some reason that goes straight to your stomach. I don't know why. It's obviously there's a bypass somewhere inside me where it's sending the wrong food to the wrong side of my body, whereas I want it to sort of disappear round the back, as in the case of Kim Kardashian. You know, I you know, think that other people will have to say, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? You can't do anything about it. You're either fat or you're not. If you're a thin person, you probably can't understand how there are even fat people out there because your body digests food differently. Your metabolism is different. I don't care what you eat. They've got this picture on the front of uh, of the sun today. I don't know when Scarlett Moffat's diet is starting or have they already done that end of the thing because they seem to be going with Joe Wicks, whose, whose latest slogan is just the thing you want to hear, exercise less and eat more. Isn't that what you want to hear? Of course you do. Um... The front page of the Sun is an interesting one because it it harks back to the honours system, you know, where they hand these things out like jelly babies. They hand them out to people who've donated to the party faithful. And in the case of uh, Cameron's cronies and pen pushers, they say, give him a damn gong. This is the honours system blasted the other day because George Johnny Johnson, 95, took part in the bouncing bomb to destroy the Ruhr Dam and flood the Ruhr Valley. And, uh, and thus help in the war effort. He's the last dam buster. He didn't get a gong. Instead, some bloke who donated thousand pounds to the party gets a knighthood. There are people who get knighthoods left, right and centre. It's people who've been good to, uh, to the party. And uh, so they've got them here. I mean, they've got uh, Isabel Spearman, who is Sam Cam's stylist. Samantha Cameron's stylist gets an OBE, giving her an image makeover. George Osborne's tough image guru, Thea Rogers, uh, got an OBE. She earned £98,000 a year. Craig Oliver, uh, which is Cameron's knighted spin chief, was branded largely unknown, with a lot to be unknown about. Will Straw, who's sort of, you know, the head of the pro-EU Remain campaign, got a CBE despite failure in the referendum. Detective Chief Superintendent Gordon Briggs headed the failed £30 million Operation Elvedon, but We got the Queen's Police Medal. Uh, David Ord gave the Tory party nearly a million and was knighted for political services. And yet the bloke from the Dam Busters got absolutely diddly-squat. Nothing. 95, nothing. He's been very gracious and he said, you know uh just having my family around me and things like that i'm very grateful for it's an absolute outrage isn't it it is an absolute outrage that's what you know they gave to victoria beckham well fair enough you know she's she's always in the papers i don't know anybody can afford her her so-called fashion or her designs or things like that it's obviously meant for certain people and then they gave it to anna wintour for what reason why did anna wintour get something and the dam busters bloke absolutely bugger all to excuse my french uh, Bradley the Eagle Olympic cycling ace signing up for the jump I've got no idea they've said here he's going downhill I mean can't they have got him anything better you knew that this was a done deal before he resigned because they've got pictures of him and how he might look so they've sort of dummied everything up what on earth is he doing the jump for the programme that has more people who end up being injured than any other programme in living memory I mean sure they could have got him something a bit classier couldn't they appearing on a programme with Caprice Borett and Lydia Dim and Spencer Matthews, hello. The steroid king. Oh, it just takes some steroids here. What? What's Bradley Wiggins doing on a programme like that? Dreadful, isn't it, really? And uh, what else we got here? Oh, there's a hanged pair here. A British couple found hanged in Cambodia. Apparently, left a suicide note blaming the NHS. Um, it's, it's ridiculous here. They said they've had no help with mental health problems. They said, hopefully we'll find peace from depression, bipolar, Asperger's and the NHS, which constantly let us down. It's very easy to say. I mean, the NHS are stretched to beyond capacity, literally to beyond capacity. Uh, Stiles Powell's blast partner, the Suicide Post hack claim. This is uh, George Michael and Faddy. They say he was a leech on George. George didn't say that. Not once did George ever say that. So for his pals to come out, they're probably worried that, in fact, Faddy might have been left some money in George's will. He'd been going out with him four years. I don't think he changed the will. I'm going to stick my neck out and say I don't think that George uh, had any intention of dying that Christmas day. I don't think he had any intention of committing suicide. I believe that was a hacked account. Uh, The questions they've got, were you in a relationship with George when he died? What difference did it make? What difference it make? We know that Kenny was back on the scene again. But you know, that happens in a lot of relationships. It doesn't really matter, does it? it doesn't really matter. They're never going to know because George is is dead. Why do friends of George accuse you of acting like a leech? Because they're jealous. That's why. Because they're jealous. They want um, they want you know George to uh, to hand money over to them. So anybody who sort of turns up and gets George's affection, they're not going to like, you know. Shame, really, isn't it, when people start arguing? It's always over money, isn't it? Always over money. Nobody said a word while he was alive, but at uh, the moment he dies, they start coming out of the woodwork. Best place for them, isn't it, really?
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, very Nice to be company. It's Tuesday, 3rd of January. It's that day you'll remember, won't you? Because you've had two weeks' holiday, you lazy little so-and-sos. And now you've got to drag your weary carcass out of bed, get yourself ready... And do that long haul down to the station, stand there on the platform, pushing and shoving to get out the way. When the train comes in, try and find yourself a space next to the thin people, not the fat blobs who'll be clogging up the doorways. They're always the ones eating, aren't they? Oh, it's dreadful on the trains. Those people sitting in first class, dreadful, dreadful. People who sort of cheat the system. I think we need to clamp down on those this year. I think hanging. Let's bring back hanging, shall we? Okay. and people eating hash browns on the train they've definitely got to be stopped they've definitely got to be so- we've got to push things like that people who eat full stop there was a woman outside Marks and Spencer's the other day eating a salad out of a box peasant have you ever seen anything like it? A sal- freezing cold I was just snipping over the road to get a couple of uh, pastrami sandwiches and, um, and she's eating a salad out of a box I thought I bet she's nicked it <laughs> who eats a salad on the pavement out of all the things apparently that brand of milk is in Sainsbury's as well I should imagine it's all over the place it is absolutely delicious um, Anna says I have one meal a day, I wouldn't want to be fat especially when I use a wheelchair I'd probably feel the same actually, I'd probably feel the same about that uh, Carnation evaporated milk says Tony uh, just pierce, make a hole in the lid oh no, it's not the same as this this is Gold Top. hello this is from Guernsey Cows. This is from, uh, from Graham's Dairy. I quite like the idea that there's a dairy called Graham's. I think it's quite funny. Advice for you, Twinkle Toes, next door. Because they've said here, how to find the love of your life. And we were talking about this before the programme. And um, uh, today is the busiest day of the year for online dating. Because people who... Because now, now we've got rid of Christmas. You don't have to buy them a present, do you? And that's much better. And so you can find somebody new this year. So you can go uh, all sorts of things. You know, use up to if if you're on a dating app, use an up to date picture, because once they see you and they discover you don't look like your picture, they're out. They're out completely. So make sure if you're going to start texting somebody, you know, make sure you're honest with them. We, We were having a chat in the office earlier on about about dating apps. And it's it's quite difficult if you're a single person to find somebody to actually date in London. It's probably not the easiest because you're very wary of people. You know, you don't want to sort of pick up the wrong person. Should you it, join a, a dating agency? You know, would a dating agency be, be the way forward or not? Or do you look on your own doorstep? See, I've always said, don't ever go out with anybody at work. Tempting, though it might be, for some of them. You know, I get hit on all the time. I mean, I just brush it off. I just, pff, Brush it off like that. I say, listen, goodness sake, honestly. Nourishment, not punishment. And um, <laughs> I always use that line, it, Always works. And, uh, but once, once they've smelt the aftershave, I tell you, they're like, they're like, it's like a magnet drawing them in. Because <sighs> you imagine, if somebody smells that, I'm hoping actually Tom is going to say, God, that's a nice aftershave. If he doesn't say anything, I shall know it's wrong. But just before I go in, for the, I shall have that <clears throat> last squirt, as they say. Ray the Cabbie says, I want to get into olive oil and drink it from the bottle. What's the right amount? Can you drink olive oil? <laughs> that sounds awful. It sounds dreadful. He says, I've been told it's good for you. I don't know. You can cook with it, can't you? Vegetables cooked in olive oil is quite nice. I wouldn't suggest drinking the stuff. I don't think you could... uh, No, I'm not sure about that. Uh, 84850, Huey in Brixton uh, talks about one of those people who's been given an award who got a caution for selling cannabis to an undercover journalist when he was 17. Serious judgment failure. Well, look at the people in Big Brother. Claim to fame, they've either been absolutely disgusting... Like Sam Callahan, who's on there. He never, he didn't even win anything. He's just been a total failure, but he made a porno film. Ugh. Really, really disgusting. Really disgusting. And that's so hopefully you'll be kicking him out very quickly, like some of the uh, other people in there. CJ says, I could have done with a, de- uh, a bottle of delicious gold top to keep me going. I went for a bike ride. Oh, something nice about it. I'm looking at it here now thinking perhaps I might have just a glass of it. You know, just to sort of keep me going through the, uh, the morning. It's going to be lovely, isn't it, really? But eating on the trains. Oh, please, we'll stamp that. out. Also, people doing their makeup on trains. I think what we should really do is just go, ah, oh, dirty, dirty, when they start doing it. You don't do makeup on trains. It's not nice. It's it's a place where you sit down and you read a book or something. Don't start digging out your makeup bag. Go, honestly, about the worst thing ever, isn't it? Really, doesn't I don't think there is anything worse. Even Anna says I think eating in the streets is awful. I agree with you. Make-up on the train is the next one. And people with bicycles, they're a pain, aren't they? God, dear. I don't mind the folding bikes, but apparently normal-sized bikes, at certain times you can go on the train, and certain times you can't go on the train. And uh, I suggest it be all of them. People who are sort of are far too uh, selfish. they go. So you've got a bicycle, ride it. Don't put it on the train and cheat. You're supposed to be fit. Get off there. And they've got they've got everything, haven't they? They've got the little helmet, they've got the little leggings, they've got the little flashing light, got the little camera, got the whole caboodle. They just haven't got the energy to cycle, so they take the train. Uh Disney trip crew taking the Mickey, we'll come around a little bit later. And then there's a bunch of old people in the paper today. And um you have to guess their number of partners. And um and there's one here and her name is Lara. Uh, Lara comes from Uxbridge, and uh, she's got um, a husband of 11 years, a son aged seven, and a 20-month-old daughter, and how many partners? One. One partner, and that would be the, I that would be the husband. Uh, Then you've got one here, who's, this is marketing consultant, Hattie Isaacson from Watford. Uh, She says her number of, uh, her number put some men off, but not husband Paul. Uh, how many partners? 102. 102. And uh, compliance officer, Keisha. Uh, Keisha's had three partners. She comes from north-west London. Uh, Chef Anne-Marie McCann from Winnersh Triangle. I've never heard of anybody who came from Winners Triangle. Let's say it on the train. Winnersh Triangle, Reading. That's where it's on the way down. She's had 35 partners, but by far and away... The, uh, the worst one is Alicia. Uh, she lives in Stockwell, and she's had 150 partners. She's only 30. I mean, that's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Reminds you, she looks like she's been around the block a few times. Not exactly. How's going to the papers and telling people how many sexual partners you've had? I mean, honestly, that's just it's so unnecessary. How many have you had? Three. You have three. How many have I had? Oh. I've never discussed things like that. You don't talk about that, do you? Why would you talk about how many partners you've had? You know, I don't want to embarrass anybody listening into making people think, you know, that I'm either not as good as people think I am or failing that I'm better than people think. It's like the other day, there was a, they had a, a lap dancing club. They don't call them lap dancing clubs because that sounds sleazy. So they call them gentlemen's clubs. There's nothing gentlemanly about the, about the people who go there. It's sleaze time. That's what it is. You're paying to watch somebody take their clothes off and perform in front. You ever been to a lap dancing club? No, I can't imagine why any. Oh, once you just remembered. Oh, when you were 18, you go there sort of like a birthday treat your mates way. We're, we're going to take you out of club, and you get there, and there's men in little thongs gyrating around poles or something. That, 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 they got you the wrong one, the wrong club. I've never been to one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I can't think of. I just think it's a bit. It's a bit. You know, Producer says seedy and gross. You see, I, I think it is as well. You know, but if people choose to pay for that, then uh, then fair enough. Well, I need to hear from somebody if you can drink olive oil from the bottle. Another <laughs> uh, one here. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people ask me about this. Uh, this drinking from the bottle. I don't think you can. Actually, I'm pretty certain you can't. I don't. I don't think it would be the best thing at all. The big freeze, not good. It's going to last for a month. And uh, Celebrity Big Brother is in crisis. A uh, stars, including Bianca Jagger. Stars. How cheaply the word is used, ladies and gentlemen. Bianca Jagger... Uh, sorry, Bianca Gascoigne is no star at all. She's nobody. She's a nobody. She's an absolute nobody. She happens to be the adopted daughter of Paul Gascoigne. It's not his child. She's hung on to the name, though, because it's obviously worth a little bit more, isn't it? You hang on to sort of the name Gascoigne and people know who you are. And what does she do? She works in a strip club as the manageress or something. Oh, blimey. And she's classed as a star in this country. We've gone that far down the U-bend. It's a little bit embarrassing. But they've said here that she's put it into crisis because apparently she's asked for fish and chips every day. I mean, you only have to look at the picture in the Daily Star to realise what the word, oh, my God, you've lost the plot, looks like. Uh, Danielle Lloyd has hinted that ex-hubby Jamie O'Hara is desperate for fame. Bit like you, Danielle, isn't it? We remember you, desperate for fame, desperate attention seeker. We also remember how vile you were to Shilpa Shetty. We don't forget these things. So it's no good sort of pot calling the kettle black, dear, because you were the one attention seeking. You're a nobody. You're a nobody. They had a two-year marriage. It helped him become a household name. He was a footballer. He was a household name before she was even thought of. She had to marry a footballer to try and get some sort of recognition. But uh, they split, and then she fell for an an electrician. Fantastic. Class act. Uh, Wiggo here, and uh, and Josie Gibson in the jump. And how... How poor old Lydia Dim's going to cope without wearing that much makeup? And have you seen the outfit she's wearing? I mean, this woman's got no sense of fashion. I quite worry about this. She sells fashion. To whom? I've got no idea. Uh, The meltdown fears for George's lover, the Daily Star, have taken the opposing uh, thought. And uh, they've said they fear for his well-being. He's not coping with his Christmas Day death. I don't think anybody's coping with his Christmas Day death. I really don't. I think it's uh, very sad. And here's Holly Willoughby on the beach with her husband who could do with toning his body up a little bit. He's, uh, he's the producer of that ghastly celebrity juice. Uh, little, little Dan Baldwin. And although they've now started calling him Daniel Baldwin. It's been Dan for ages. Now it's Daniel. And they were on a beach kissing with a photographer in front of them. Also wearing the obligatory man shorts. There's something naff about man shorts. Tom daly has got it right. Speedos. Speedos are the way forward. <laughs> why would you want to wear shorts? It's really naff, isn't it? Shorts. Ooh, what do you wear? Shorts. Why? Because I look ridiculous in speedos. Well, I look ridiculous in speedos. You look pretty ridiculous in shorts. Uh, children in tears as holiday is axed. Oh, I'll tell you about this story in a moment. It's uh, children wept. Who weeps nowadays? Nobody. You cry or you don't cry. I've never said I wept over this film. But uh, the flight was cancelled. I'll tell you why. And. Uh, uh, the, the plane couldn't leave because of weather delays meant the crew had worked over the hours. So, I mean, I would have thought that the parents, <laughs> only holding my hands up here and thinking out of the box, would have been very grateful that the crew were not working over the hours. Can you imagine if the plane had crashed with all these children? The parents would have been the first ones to go, well, they shouldn't have been working over their hours. So what they do is they, they pull the plane, say the crew are working over their hours so they're not going to be flying. Ooh, miserable blooming parents. Just tell the kids you're going tomorrow, going the next day. Tell them anything. They must be really ghastly children if you have to sort of... If they're weeping and everybody sort of... And the the parents are blasting EasyJet. EasyJet are roaring on the side of caution and making sure that everybody's fully safe. You know, and, you know, at the end of the day, they've apologised and says, uh, you know, I'm sorry if you were impacted by the cancellation. But, you know, you've got to think about the safety of everybody. But it's selfish, parents, isn't it? You feel like saying, "I tell you what, take your money and sod off and go somewhere else, go to you know, go to anywhere, go and get a train to there or something like that." And um, uh, what well, one one mother says that um, she said I had to stop myself from crying in front of the children. Oh God, grow up for God's sake! I mean, honestly, just do it another day. Do it another day. Well done, Easy Jet. As far as I'm concerned, they didn't ruin the kids' dream Disney trip. What they did, they made sure that they were safe. And that, in this day and age, is worth millions
0: and millions of pounds. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Uh, Jeff Stevenson, comedian, says off to Lisbon to join the Queen Victoria. Looking forward to 12 days on the legendary Cunard and their hospitality. Hoping also QPR beat Ipswich. Living dreams, live in dreams. And uh, I tweeted actually earlier on, loads of people have re- uh, retweeted me. Uh, saying about how, how cold it is outside. Susie Dent says, uh, I like the, to re-mention ergophobia. Do you know what ergophobia is? Come on, think logically today. OK, it's Tuesday the 3rd of January. Ergophobia is... It's the fear of going back to work. OK? Uh, a homogen is a fictional illness that sets in around now. And my friend Fat says, wouldn't it be awesome if you could eat what you wanted and still keep fit? Sadly, you literally can't have your cake and eat it. And James O'Brien says, antibacterial eye ointment is my new jam. Oh, that's slightly disturbing, isn't it? Oh, dear. And uh, poor old Ben Hart, who we used to my magic show two years ago, he's uh, he's lost his notebook. And uh, he says he's it's dreadful. He's having a very bad time with the whole thing. I tweeted loads of things this morning, even before I got here. Uh, also dentists telling workers to cut workplace cake culture so we shouldn't be eating all those little things because apparently they're not very good for you but I mean doesn't listen it just you know people people say it just tastes nice so what can you do about it Uh, another one here very quickly Uh, this is um, oh dear Uh, John Jackson Ray Taylor I like reading everybody else's boy George tweets all the time People sort of write it and say, oh, can you send me a tweet for my birthday? And he always writes, happy birthday, whoever it is, which is quite good. And uh, Owen Wyn Evans, he said, good morning, minor darlings. He said, freezing. I told people that ages ago, hours ago, freezing, freezing, freezing out there. But uh, a nice day for going for a walk in the countryside. Uh, there's um, a McDonald's worker branded McFatty by customers because she was. She had the last laugh after shedding six stone. And so she's now a hairdresser and she says she's finally got her confidence back. But obviously it had the desired effect. You're fat. You are McFatty. And so she uh, she went on a diet. So it worked, didn't it? Other people would probably go running to HR and complaining bitterly that somebody called them fat when they came in to get their portion of chips or things like that. I mean, but as I said earlier on, some people are fat. Some people aren't fat. Some people can eat whatever they want. And it doesn't make any difference at all. Dave says, Celebrity Big Brother, where are the celebrities? Well, there aren't any. There aren't any. Sir Bradley Wiggins, I mean, they obviously they can't get him anything else. And that's what they've got him, the jump. You know, Caprice Borat. I mean, dear God, I thought her career finished years ago. I had no idea. She's been on every other programme and then she sort of disappeared. Uh, and then and a few other old, old has-beens. I mean, Lydia Dim, for goodness sake, poor old soul. Why don't you knuckle down here and try and find, you know, a job properly, you know, proper job. Winsome says, uh, when I've run out of cod liver oil, I've used olive oil. Yeah, we used to put, was it cod liver oil you put in your ears? I'm sure I seem to remember something in my dim and distant past about, you know, putting cod liver oil or olive oil in your ears to sort of, you know, make it easier to clean your ears. Uh, lots of children weeping, as I say, on this, uh, on this uh, easy jet flight. What had happened was... The staff said the plane couldn't leave because bad weather delays meant the crew had worked over the hours. Passengers said there was a stampede to find alternative flights, but most were left disappointed. Obviously, the ones who didn't take part of the stampede. Uh, one person here, two of them, Morgan and Mike, uh, from Buckley in North Wales, had spent a year saving two thousand pound for the trip for their children Ella, Rose, and Jaden Seven, and uh, which she she told the kids about it. So I got a picture of Ella, Rose, and Jaden. Well, all you do is you say, uh, Mickey Mouse can't see you today. He's going to see you next week. You know, what's the matter with that? The two-year-old wouldn't have the faintest idea about what was going on, and the seven-year-old would be barely, uh, barely with it at all. She says, the weather was to blame, so we don't know if our travel insurance will pay out. I had to stop myself from crying. Oh, dear me, honestly, it's dreadful, really. Uh, somebody was dumbfounded, somebody from Liverpool who was going to Disneyland with wife Susan and daughters, uh, and said, especially as they'd put us on the plane... Uh, they couldn't get a backup crew and didn't have one in place. It was freezing conditions at Charles de Gaulle Airport, so they didn't go there. And didn't go. Go another time. You know, these parents who pander and start stamping their feet and sort of causing all these ructions. Goodness sake, honestly, does it really matter? Does it really matter? No, you can go another time. Uh, oldies are battling for the top title. An almighty battle of the oldies is looming. Uh, this is the NTV, the National Television Awards. Oh God, I hope it's not hosted by Dermot O'Dreary. But anyway, the Great British Bake Off will be uh, up against Strictly and then Britain's Got Talent and uh, The X Factor and Simon Cowell. Will it be Anton Decker's personalities again or will it be Mel and Sue? It can't be Mel and Sue. They've done the Bake Off and they weren't that funny on that. It was just filth double entendres, which is not the kind of thing you want to see on your television. It might be fine for old ladies like that, but not fine for the rest of us. We don't want to see things like that on the uh, on the television uh, will your luck change in 2017 is the big question. And uh, the Duchess of Cambridge has accepted a lifetime honorary membership of the uh, Royal Photographic Society. Apparently Kate is a keen amateur snapper. And so she's taken uh, pictures. Just look like ordinary pictures to me. And uh, so they've uh, they've given it to her. Also gives them a bit of publicity at the same time because I hadn't heard of them up until now. Um, 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 um. what's this one here, oh yes, it's a Tom Jones not at all happy not at all happy about the the BBC he says that they axed him from the voice claiming he was treated uh, uh, he said claiming he was treated better working in factories he's uh, now back on the show with ITV told how he was furious, he was given just a day's notice he said I was off I never got to the bottom of who made the decision Yeah. although you'll never find anybody at the BBC to hold their hands up Never. They'll always have a BBC spokesman, you know. Well, who, who actually knew about that? Uh, just a spokesman. Yeah. You'll never find them, Tom. Nobody'll ever put their hands up and admit to these things. They're too 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 busy cowardly hiding in closets, most of them. He says, Why have they left it so late in the day? When we got the call, we said, When did you make the decision? Yesterday, and we're giving it to the press tomorrow. He said, That's a kick in the in the Watsets. Yeah, they're like that at the BBC, though. Uh, so, did you know about Jimmy Savile? No clue. No idea at all. Really? Oh, good heavens above. I <laughs> thought somebody would have told you, wouldn't they? No, nobody knows about it. And who who is the person at the BBC who made the decision about uh, putting up the BBC helicopter to take pictures of Sir Cliff Richard's flat? You know, eventually we got a name out of them for that one. But, uh, as I say, it's all, all a bit slightly undercover and stinks a bit like rotten fish, doesn't it? 40% of councils are using full powers to tackle fly-tipping. You see fly-tipping all over the place. I think we know... You know, the sort of people who go round there, they come round to your house, they've got a flatbed truck, they take away your rubbish, they just go into the countryside and dump it. They dump it in the middle of towns as well. I've seen them. Fewer than half of town halls are using powers to slap fly tippers with the on-the-spot fines. I don't know why you can see these people doing it. It's quite easy. You know, all anybody has to do. You see somebody with a flatbed truck with a load of rubbish. I mean, Thaden boys, it's disgusting. Croydon, South East London, sofas and toilet waste, you know, dumped all over the place. And they don't do anything. They don't do anything. You know, they say here, this is money that could be better spent on vital services, like filling potholes and caring for the elderly. Codswallop, honestly. What a load of Codswallop. They do talk garbage, don't they, councils? And so it's like the, uh, the councils the other day. We discovered it was only, is it 40% to actually prosecute people for misuse of the blue badge. In other words, fake people using a blue badge. They're using it. Oh, it's my mother's blue badge. Why are you using it? I'm getting some groceries for it. You're not entitled to these people are crooks. These people are absolute out-and-out out crooks. Terrible. They should be sorted out, but they don't do anything about it. I'll tell you what, I, and each, each council council should have somebody devoted to checking blue badges. And you go and find a road where they park, and, uh, and you just go and check. So who's this blue badge? Hello from the council. Okay. And if, you, uh, if it, it turns out, you make sure you've got a police officer with you, take away the blue badge. Simple as that. Make them apply for it all over again. If they think they're actually genuine. But unfortunately, so many people now, there's a huge amount of people who misuse the blue badge. So much so that even our local Tesco have had proper signs in the car park. Do not park in the disabled... It doesn't make any difference. The thick people who live around there uh, go and uh, park in the disabled bays. Ghastly, isn't it, really? Ghastly, ghastly, ghastly. Uh, oh, it's the same picture of, um, of this little two-year-old and the seven-year-old who didn't go as children were left in tears because they cancelled the the Mickey Mouse trip for safety reasons. As far as I'm concerned, safety reasons wins hands down. I couldn't care less, you know, about anything else. I'm only interested in safety reasons. There's a lovely picture of uh, an orangutan here. Uh, And when they're babies, they're absolutely cute. They're gorgeous. I'm not saying they're not cute all the way through their lives, but this one is haunted by the killing of his mother. So they've given him a teddy for comfort. And he's one of the lucky ones. Um, he's a little tiny thing here it's a, a little bit of a replacement but he takes a gorgeous picture and you look at him and you think that's so cute they're so cute and now they think they're on the brink of extinction and the teddy becomes like a surrogate mother for him and you would give money if they did an advert on the television for baby orangutans who need money I mean I know that there are lots of places that look after them but when you actually see the picture of this little one in the papers today you'll be going oh, they're cute we like orangutans or as the producer calls them, orange monkeys, which is nice, actually. Uh, passengers fled a train carriage when a woman's scorpion escaped. A woman's scorpion? It was uh, in an ice cream tub when it did the runner. The London Edinburgh service stopped at Peterborough for a search by the police, who took it to a pet centre. One traveller tweeted, Scorpions off the train, passengers can relax. What sort of idiot takes a scorpion in an ice cream thing on a train? What sort of thicko is that, for goodness sake? And Tesco have cut the price of women's razors to bring them in line with the men's version. Why women got charged more? I can't imagine. A more sexist thing. You'd be hard pushed to find. Why? Because it's a pink razor, ladies and gentlemen. Good heavens. Good heavens above. We'll just wrap a pink plaster around it. You girls, you're being ripped off. Tesco, at least, have, uh, have made some sort of inroad to it. But about time all the other manufacturers tried it as well. That'd be a good thing, isn't it? A trade dot steve at LBC.co.uk. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast coming up to the news at five. The big freeze to last a month. The army under fire for the girls make up ad. Uh Woolies Willies are not mammoth. Uh, the copt cop sacked for lying. ...for a sick partner. Um, Also, Susan Boyle's company has more than £2.2 million in the bank. She never needs to record again, please God. The retailer's woe over the slump in shoppers. And uh, 27p a minute for getting the train to work.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 3rd of January. I know, I know you've dreaded this day, haven't you, for ages and ages. Why? because you've got to go back to work today and you've had a nice break, it's been a nice holiday for many people though, they've worked over the festive season, the people who've worked on the trains the people who've worked on the buses the people who've been delivering the food and the milk and uh, the postman and everybody else, but for the rest of you it's a case of feet up, oh bliss isn't it two weeks holiday, about the longest I think we've ever had, although I'm sure it might have been uh, longer at some particular point uh, Blue Badges Steve you are so right Blue badge holders park near the station in in Posh Wallington. I watch them every day. They come back with heavy shopping bags. You know, some of them are so young and fit. They can't be the badge holders. No. I don't uh, I don't believe that many of them are. It's been my my bugbear surprisingly for quite a number of years. And then you get people who write you saying, "But of course, just because you can't um, you know, see somebody's disability doesn't mean they are." No, I I can see quite If somebody can run over the road, they are not disabled. That's not disabled. Disabled is that you only can use the blue badge because you can't do more than, what is it, 27 yards or something like that? These people run. They run. It's disgraceful. It really is. It's abuse. And, you know, because we've seen the television programmes and the sort of people who are abusing them, you know, have been doing it for ages. And then they get caught out. And then they suddenly realise, I told you, I've seen a, a flower seller using a disabled badge every, every day uses it. Nobody disabled. They're hugging, look, hugging, it might be hugging as well, hugging flowers around and everything else. Susan Boyle's company has more than £2.2 2 million in the bank. So she's obviously spent a bit because it was only a few years ago. She had £4 million. Now she's dropped down a little bit. Perhaps one of these days we'll, we'll find out the truth about Jordan. Uh, and the thirty-five million, or some people say she's got fifty million in the bank. I don't see how she can possibly have fifty million in the bank. If she had fifty million in the bank, she'd be doing something a little bit better than having to do Loose Women. It's like I shouldn't imagine that poor old Colleen Nolan's got much in the bank. She's having to do uh, so-called Celebrity Big Brother. I've got no idea why. You know, saving the marriage would have been the uh, the best thing to do, would it not, uh, Steve? whilst you're on the subject of dumping rubbish, I like Tom Jones, but the voice was garbage says cj thank goodness it's gone i never saw it not funny out of all the programs that i could have watched on the uh on the television the voice was never anything that i was interested in the idea of people sitting there with their back to somebody singing i quite i saw that i understood how that worked but then you sort of turn around and you see the person singing it and i saw the australian version that was that was quite good that was a few years back of the voice I saw the Australian version. And that was okay. There was a kid on there who was, a, who was a very, very good singer. But where do they go to? I don't know where they all disappeared to. Because once you've got the winner of The Voice in this country or Britain's Got Talent, and it seems to be roughly the same kind of thing, Britain's Got Talent is the same as The Voice, and they've got other acts in there as well. It's the same thing, though, still owned by the same company. And uh, we seem to like this. But it's the same people, isn't it? Coming back again. So they go, oh, you weren't very good this year. Come back next year. So they pop back next year to make next year's programme. And, th- and they're still as bad as they were first time round. We've seen the most awful people on the programme. It's just it's um, it's a, it's now a programme for freaks and people who are delusional, people who think that they've actually got some God given right to appear on our television because they can sing. And as it turns out, most of them, they can't sing, you know. So now we've got the X Factor. Who was the winner of the X Factor? Have we had, has uh, it finished? Have we got the winner of the X Factor? I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything. I just know that they go on tour. And then you've got that poor old has been, Stevie Ritchie, uh, who's appearing on Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> For what reason? He's not a celebrity. He's just, obviously, he's got an agent who goes, listen, he's really good value. He was never good value. He was never good value. Hilarious when he took up with that poor old Chloe What's-Her-Face. You know, how to kill a career stone dead. I don't know where they're going from here. Nowhere, I should imagine. Uh, Malcolm says, we're not listening to LBC for the last few days. I've been watching back-to-back episodes of Can't Pay and Interceptors. Uh, the rest of TV was rubbish. Yes, I mean, if you could, I mean, I think the Can't Pay Will Come and Take It Away one is, is brilliant. I would have thought, Steve, that if the easy jet flight had been grounded due to bad weather, the crew had been sufficiently rested to continue once conditions were favourable. No excuse, says Dave. No, no, they're not allowed to. They can only do so many hours... And it's not a case of sufficiently rested. They have to have so much in a 24-hour period. So this actually took them over. So that's why. So they, they, they could continue once the conditions were favourable uh, and once they'd been suitably rested because they'd done their maximum time. So they didn't have a spare crew. That was why. Oh, dear, it was nice to point out the obvious, isn't it? And uh, Steve just finishing work on nights out on southern trains. Do you know, it, it must be southern trains railway who really can't run trains because i'm on southwestern and i don't have any complaints at all about southwestern i think they're absolutely brilliant although somebody was talking earlier on i don't know which railway he was talking about but he was talking about um uh, some of the trains only got two two carriages on them (laughs) well i don't know where he's traveling because around my way i don't think i've ever been on a train that's anything less than eight carriages In fact, some of them even more than eight carriages. Sometimes it takes me for ages. I've got to walk from one end of the platform right out to the other end at Waterloo. But no, eight would be minimum on our ones. So you need to come down south. It's much better. Much better. Uh, What else we got? Oh, yes, the Bradley Wiggins story. I really can't get my head around that one at all. I should do. Because I've I've seen people, you know, joining these uh, shows and I've often thought to myself, you know, are they that desperate for attention that they'll do it? He must have amassed quite a bit of money, mustn't he? Bradley Wiggins, he's got, a, he's got his knighthood and now he's going to have to turn up on there. I mean, of course, the good thing is that uh, Lydia Dim and Caprice won't have the faintest idea who he is because he's not, he's not on a reality show and they only know reality show people. People on the same level. Excuse me. Oh, delicious. Delicious. We're all, we're all fighting over the, uh, the coffee. I'm the only one who's got a locker full of, of Lion's coffee. I'm not telling anybody about it. I'm keeping it very quiet. Does Britain's most popular face scrub make you look older? This is one called St. Ives. It's apricot scrub. And I think it's another one which has got um, uh, these little beads in or something. It's like it's an exfoliator. So what you do is... And I've used St. Ives over the years. It's been around for donkey's years. And uh, they say this one uh, promises to delight the senses using 100% natural exfoliants. But the most popular facial scrub... Is now the subject of a lawsuit. Uh, after two customers claimed it had not been approved by dermatologists and could even accelerate the aging process. This one has been endorsed by top model Gigi Hadid, but that doesn't mean diddly squat in the and Age. Present uh, personalities in inverted commas and models get paid to endorse things. You know, they, they sort of, you probably find she doesn't use it, or maybe she does use it, but they get paid to endorse, so that's why they say it. I wouldn't suggest anything that Gigi Hadid said would make any difference. This stuff's been around much longer than that. Uh, Sir so Dive's apricot scrub is marketed as being dermatologically tested and has been endorsed. Uh, but lots of people here say the formulations of the American and the US scrubs varied but were unable to explain how walnut shell powder is listed as the second ingredient in two of the three UK versions and the fourth ingredient to the third. It's Unilever and says we do not comment on pesting litigation. For over 30 years, consumers have loved and trusted the St Ives brand to refresh and revitalise their skin. We stand by a dermatologically tested formula. Of course they would. It's basically saying, listen, go away, go away. We're still going to sell it. It's, you know, it's good. People use it all the time. It's like calamine lotion. Uh, I love it, actually. Um, to make great uh, Christmas presents, uh, says Ian. Apparently, traffic wardens around here police the blue badge tightly. Do they? Well, how do they know? How do they know? I don't believe anybody pleases it. David Sutton says, um, no, no, the conditions were favourable, no excuse. No, it's got nothing to do with the conditions conditions are absolute, Dave, you're missing... I know you're in Sutton, but you're missing the point. That The point is that they'd done over their hours. They'd, they'd, they'd worked too long. If they'd taken the plane out, that would have been over their hours, and that's illegal, OK? So it doesn't make any difference what the conditions were. The conditions were the plane was grounded because it couldn't go, and had they taken the plane out, that would have taken them over their hours, so the plane did not go, OK? So not, you know, no excuse. Plenty of excuses. You know, it makes more sense, doesn't it, if you understand the the situation. They cannot do it because it takes it over their hours. And over their hours means that it's illegal to fly like that. So you've got a crew, including probably the pilot, because they've all flown before, uh, who are doing more hours than they're supposed to be doing. And they're supposed to have a longer rest gap in the middle. So in other words, go go get another plane. OK, that's what I'd be telling people straight away. Uh, Adam near Andover or in Andover. I don't know anybody lived in Andover. Says, I think you'd be amazing on Celebrity Big Brother. You'd win it. I wouldn't ever do it. I wouldn't be remotely interested in, and I'm not a celebrity, so that would be a bit well, like the other people, I realise. But no, I'm not remotely interested uh, in anything. Oh, my, my screen over here has now changed from my clock. Have you changed it over to something? Hmm. Get the producer to look at it, because I've, I've, I'm missing a clock in the studio this morning. Now I've got time zones and everything else. What's that? What have I got there? Don't want that, do we? Do we just want the uh, the clock. I don't know where, where the clock is. Big clock. Ah, that's it. That, that was simple, wasn't it? That was easy for you. Look at that, honestly. You'll be charging extra for that. That's good, thank you. It's 5.13. I just thought I'd mention it quickly. Uh, do you tip in restaurants? I know it's an, old, it's an old cliche. I'm not really interested in the answer because we all tip in restaurants. I've never heard of people who don't tip in restaurants. And yet, strangely enough, you tip your hairdresser... You tip your milkman, you might give your postman a gift or something like that, and you don't tip the person in the supermarket who packs your bag. Why do we not do that? Why why, why do you not tip the uh, the flight crew on a flight? Why do you not get off and go, and there's a there's a pound for your trouble? Yet you tip a taxi driver. You don't tip the bus driver. You don't tip a conductor on the trains. You don't go through the barrier and go, pound for you each, thank you. You don't do that, do you? Why? Why are there any certain places that get tips? And then if you go out to a restaurant, you tip from somebody bringing your food from there to there. It can be a matter of 10 feet. And yet, for some reason, we tip them because they come and said, do you need anything? And you go, well, no, just tell me where the bar is. I'll go and get the drink myself. You're expected to pay 12.5% for somebody doing their job. I think the tipping has got out of hand. In America, it's terrible literally tipping on everything. Go to certain clubs in London, you'll be tipped, uh, charge a tip on every drink. And so it works on cruise ships. Cruise ships exactly the same, exactly the same. It'll be, you know, a case of you're expected to tip or you tip at the end of the voyage. Most people go a tip at the end of the voyage and then skip off the uh, the ship as quickly as possible. 84850, steve dot uk. And um, a lot of people tell me about the... Uh, sort of the, the great television programmes, not. It was, it was quite poor, actually, on television, wasn't it, really? It was In fact, it was uh, very, 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 very poor. It was camphorated oil you put in your ear, says Rachel. No, it wasn't. It was olive oil. It was definitely olive oil. Definitely. In your ears. I've never heard of camphorated oil. What well, the dickens camphorated oil? No, no, olive oil you put in your ears to soften up, sort of earwax, I think. That's how it worked. Uh, what else? Uh, the George Michael story running in most of the papers today. And the, the advice that I gave you yesterday, which only makes the papers today, which is an official NHS advice. Don't go to A&E unless you're dying. If, of course, you, you are dying, you're probably never likely to make it to A&E. But it's, it's an interesting... Thing, isn't it when you go in A&E and the people have been sitting there for what looked like days and they sit there because they're waiting for free medicine and they might just have a cold or a cough or a sneeze or I just straight sprained my little finger go home go home stop wasting our time that's what I would do I'd be sitting there going so as they walked in the door of the hospital sorry what are you here for uh, got a bit of a cold no we don't deal with colds thank you this is a hospital okay off you go go to the chemist go and get some of the chemist No, they're looking for for sort of prescriptions I don't know why and uh, so they don't want A&E held up by people. And people do hold up A&E. You're
0: listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Tuesday, the 3rd of January. It's great, isn't it? We're racing through January already. I bet you're pleased. I know, well, I thought you might be, because uh, having spent all that money over Christmas, and I did say to you, it would go by very quickly Christmas. We have the nice lead up very shortly. The, uh, the trees will be taken down. The lights will be switched off. The decorations packed away for another year. And uh, we'll go, well, that was good, wasn't it? But a little bit short, not for many of you. In fact, it seemed to go on forever and a day. Many of us thought it was just a normal day's day's work for a normal day's money. But uh, we will be taking down. 12th night, they come down, which is the 6th of uh, January. So what are we up to today? We're up to the 3rd today, so you've got three more days. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so Friday. So as long as you've turned the lights off, you're okay. Otherwise, it's, it's bad luck for the remainder of the year. And so I, I would do it Thursday. I think I'm going to take take the I'm going to turn off the lights on Thursday and then just put put the tree outside for the council to take away. And they can. it has been very good, you know. We haven't lost any um, any sort of um, um, needles or anything like that. Normally, you brush against it and a shower of needles. But this year, they were really much much better. And it was on a little wooden base. Didn't even need to use the uh, the stand that I had on a little wooden base. Where they just put a hole in and plunged it into the hole. And uh, it, was, it was lovely. It stood up and nobody's knocked it over. Seems to have survived quite well. Two sets of lights on, so 3,000 lights on the tree. Next year, I might go for 10. I'm like that, actually. <laughs> put the more lights on the best. And, uh, and then you just sort of sit back and go, here we go for another year. Here we go for another year and hope that, you know, if you had a bad year last year, that this year coming up is so much better. Oil of cloves for ears. Good for toothache. says Mike in Seven Oaks. I wouldn't put oil of cloves in your ears. Definitely not. I definitely wouldn't put that. Good God, no. That's uh, that's uh, menthol, isn't it? That would be terrible for your ears. That's why it was always olive oil. Never oil of cloves. Never. Good for toothache. But uh, the only good thing for a toothache is a good dentist. Uh, Mick says, I never leave a, leave a tip if there is a, a service charge or a miserable server. Yeah, I mean, I I could understand that. All you're asking is somebody to just do, you know, what they're actually paid to do. Which is if you're if you're a, a server then you're you're paid to deliver food and to take the order in uh, in some of the restaurants i've been in the staff have been perfect but that's what they do june says uh, Uncle Norman used to drink olive oil from the bottle put salted peanuts in a bowl, pour on olive oil and eat them like cereal I should point out that he had dementia and once auntie started locking doors the problem was solved Doctor said it wouldn't cause any harm but it wasn't a great idea No, I wouldn't have thought so either actually <laughs> It sounds a bit bizarre doesn't it But uh, people like the uh, the alternative sorts of things uh, Anne says I've read in the Daily Mail Mel and Sue might take the National TV Award from Anton Deck. Don't think so, no I don't think so either there's no chance that they could ever take it from Anton Decker Anton Decker nearest thing to perfection, and they don't need to do the double entendres all the time, or if they do, they've kind of escaped me, uh, and so I haven't noticed that Men and who won't, won't do it. They haven't managed it up until now, and they've been around for donkeys years, haven't they? Uh, that brand of milk that you've got, Steve, they, uh, they sell in Sainsbury's Oh, I should imagine you can get it everywhere. And Matthew says, "I'm so glad to see the back of Sky movies, Star Wars, and Judge Judy's Bumper Christmas. Well, I should imagine Judge Judy's bumper Christmas would be really, really good, because because uh, we like we like her quite a lot. A lot of people uh, really getting a little bit jealous of the fact that I do have this gold top milk. But actually, I'm very good because I've not actually drunk any yet. Uh, a lot of people talking to uh, to Darren earlier on about the rail network and about how you know some of you seem to have terrible, terrible situations with the railways, whereas on uh, on Southeast. I'm actually really quite pleased with our service. I don't, I don't think we have too many problems at all out there. The trains seem to run on time. We have a guard. Uh, I didn't believe the person who said the guard's got to open the doors, check the tickets. To, well, no, they don't. I can't remember the last time on any one of Southwestern trains I was on the train, and in the last year, I might have seen two guards checking the ticket. Two guards checking the tickets, and that's in a year so all this baloney about the guards are having to do this. No, they do the doors. And he always says the same. I'm on the platform in between stations. What amazed me was when I got off the uh, the train yesterday at Clapham Junction, because they were obviously doing road, road works or rail works on the particular line I was on. And I said to the first guy I saw, and I think we were on platform one, I said, uh, oh, next train to Twickenham. And without a hesitation or a checking, he said, platform six. I said, thank you. I thought, that's good, isn't it? That's good. Uh, Ian says um, there's been a series of black and white movies on the telly, the stiff upper lip type, uh, Reach for the Sky, the Dam Busters, all that kind of stuff. And it makes you wonder who left the lights on past January the 6th, 2016. First rule of 2016 or 2017 as you don't talk about 2016, says Adam. I talk about it all the time, all the time. You have to turn the lights off. You have to turn the lights off and that kind of covers you. That's that's the sort of thing that they go. Uh, you won't get the bad luck, but if you if you leave it on, phew, bad luck. But some people quite like their uh, Christmas lights, as long as they're not attached to a tree. Although some people have taken the trees down already. Uh, going back to the uh, to the Harrod's staff, this is the this is this where does the tip go situation, and it operates all sorts of places. Um, they say here, because workers at uh, the Knightsbridge stores, sixteen restaurants and cafes they have got in Harrods, sixteen restaurants um united voices of the world which is the union which represents waiters and kitchen staff at harrods claim i've never even heard of them before claims that people missed out on five thousand pound a year and they called on workers to protest on saturday they say one of the wealthiest stores in the world is withholding tips harrods keep up to 75 percent that's around five thousand pound From each member of staff, no more. There are 483 members of kitchen and waiting staff working in the stores, restaurants and cafes. And um, if Harrods feels the need to retain a percentage, they should explain why. So Harrods told The Guardian the company operated a system in which the service charge is shared out only among the staff who've accepted a cut in basic pay. So, in other words, if you've accepted a cut in basic pay, then Harrods will put you into their scheme. Doesn't quite seem right, does it? But anyway, a spokesman said, currently, Harrods are taking steps to improve the current system through which it distributes the service charge to ensure it best serves our employees and is completing a detailed review into the existing scheme. As this is an ongoing review, we are unable to provide further details on the distribution. In other words, we're not telling you. However, employees will be informed of the details of the new system as soon as the review is complete. So, in other words, so if, if you accept a drop-in salary, then you can be included in their scheme and you can get the tips which are intended for you. Well, my advice is that if you get there, and it's perfectly legal to do, you might have to give your name and address, but it's perfectly legal. You don't have to pay a service charge. You'll need to check with which on this one. But I'm pretty certain, over the years, I've been told before that the service charge... They, they can't enforce it. You cross it off the bill and you do the thing again. And if they want to make a big scene about it, let them make a big scene about it. Because you don't have to pay a service charge. As long as you... They might ask for your name and address. In which case, give, give your name and address. Give your name and address. But you don't have to pay it. You can. I, I, I always say, don't put the service charge on the bill. I'll pay separately to the, to the waiter. That's the whole idea. If I think the waiter's been good... For it. I don't want really to compensate for a bad waiter. Or a bad waitress. Can we just call them waiters? Makes it easy, doesn't it? We know what they mean. Waiting staff, you know. And, uh, and so that's, that's that's the sort of, you know, the way it goes forward as far as I'm concerned. All this sort of compulsory 12.5% for doing what? For bringing the food from there to there. If I decide somebody's good enough, I'll pay them. I'm not paying you extra money. It's like, you know, you have a service You sit down and there's £4 pounds on the bill straight away because you've had bread. I don't want bread. Would you like water? Oh, that's extra. Is it? No, I don't want it. In fact, actually, I'll go somewhere else. I'll go somewhere else to eat. It's much easier. Uh, The question in a lot of the papers today, what did happen the night George Michael died? The answer is nobody knows. There was no CCTV inside his house. Um, And uh, the boyfriend, Faddy has said that he spent the night of the singer's death sleeping in his car. We don't know if they'd had a, a fight or a bus start. We don't know. We just absolutely don't know. So why was he alone on the night he died? Well, because he liked his own company. I thought that was fairly obvious. George Michael had spent a lot of time by himself. Why didn't he go to Midnight Mass? Because he didn't always go to Midnight Mass. Was he depressed or suicidal? He might have been a bit down. Sometimes taking drugs makes you feel a bit uh, a bit bad. They asked the question, who is Faddy?" doesn't matter. It's his boyfriend. What's has got to do with anybody? Also, was he still taking drugs? And then that big question, who's going to get his fortune? Well, if he hadn't changed the will in recent times, I should imagine the majority of it will go to his ex-boyfriend, who he was with for something like 17 years. Uh, The other story, which is in the paper today, which is tragic, this girl of 11 has died following a hit-and-run, which also killed her 12-year-old cousin. And, uh, in fact, I actually thought I was looking at a picture of the mother in the paper... Today, but it turns out to be uh, this young girl, twelve years old, called Helena. I've never seen so much makeup on a twelve-year-old. Seriously, I mean, if we were sort of looking. I thought perhaps I've got the wrong picture here. And so, one was hit and killed straight away, and the other one died in hospital. Uh, I believe they are questioning people. They're still looking for various vehicles. They seem to have found a number of vehicles, but they're still looking. And then the uh, the police need your help as well, if only to uh, alleviate the grief which the parents are obviously. Going through at the moment. So we'll come back to that one also. And, and will Wigo be the latest celebrity to suffer the curse of the jump? He must be desperate for the money. Can't imagine why he's doing it, honestly. It's it's got the worst lineup of so-called celebrities on it. Most of them aren't celebrities, but there again, celebrity big brother should be renamed Celebrity Hasbeens, because they're all just absolutely dreadful.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Uh,
1: morning, everybody. The taxman could start sharing your records with town halls. Oh, God. <laughs> Always puts the fear of God into everybody, doesn't it? You have to mention those those fateful letters. HMRC. And immediately people go, we start hearing all the adverts. Have you filed a tax return? Have you... T-? Oh, Lord, honestly. Uh, the fly-tipping crackdown is rubbish. Councils are bone idle. Bone idle. They don't do anything about the blue badge abuse. And they don't do anything about fly-tipping. Can you believe Newham here in East London, issued 135 on-the-spot fines between May and the end of the year. Southwark? Nothing. Nothing in Southwark. Perhaps they don't have fly-tipping. Meanwhile, Birmingham. Oh, Birmingham must have loads of fly-tipping going on. How many on-the-spot fines did Birmingham issue? None. Nothing at all. Uh, Manchester issued 19. And Liverpool. My God, I mean, the whole of Liverpool must be a fly-tip. One. One fly-tipping handed out. Of 302 councils who responded, only 118 actually handed out any fixed penalty notices. Ridiculous, isn't it? And the, you know, every time we have it round our way, we've had travellers who've dumped rubbish, which has taken literally weeks to remove. As I said before, I think people should pay. If you're living on a traveller site, an illegal traveller site, and you fill it with rubbish, you're not going off there, as I've said before, until you've paid for it. Why should I double want it coming out of my money? I pay my money to the council to improve the, the roads around my way and the general facilities and not paying to have rubbish taken away from people who want to live in a rubbish dump. I don't want to do that. And when you sort of see that even in Southwark they don't issue anything at all, they're either bone idle or they just can't be bothered to do it. Oh, I don't know where it comes from. So my advice is just go dump your rubbish in Southwark, they're never going to prosecute you. What's the point? What is the point, you know, if they can't even sort out the blue badge system and the abuse of it, you know, you're not going to sort out anything else. Ridiculous. I think charities, said Jack, should uh, post exactly how much of every pound actually gets to the cause at the point of request. Oh, um, uh, not as much as you think. Some charities take out as much as I think 80% to go for administration and the rest goes on the charity. That's why I've said to you before don't ever give to chuggers on the street because they're earning about 10 to £12 an hour. So you don't give to them because the money that you're giving to them, you're paying their wages. You want to give to a charity, give direct to it. They're still going to take money out for administration. But that's why charities are rich. Go online, find out how much you think charities are worth. Biggest charity is the National Trust. Rakes in hundreds of millions. Seriously. Every time there is a disaster lots of charities start appealing for your money they've got millions and millions and millions and millions as nick ferrari would say squillions of millions in the bank they're just topping up the coffers you know they can actually do it they sort of put pictures of children who are sort of you know struggling and dying they've got the money there to save them but they want you to to pay for it that's what we do in this country we give to charity and we and we do good charity we're very good at doing charity in this country we're very generous You know, even, and it's the people who've got the least are the people who give the most. Uh, Michael in Leeds says uh, uh, earwax. I was told olive oil. Yes, that's what you do, you put olive oil in. You certainly don't put um, oil of cloves in your ear. That'd be, that'd be the stupidest thing ever. I should imagine. Council Steve, are too frightened to prosecute fly-tippers and people who misuse blue badges. We need a media campaign. Well, they've had it for years. They've had it for years. Now we've we've named and shamed people in the country who don't issue tickets. Southwark do not issue and have not issued any ticket for fly tipping. You know, I mean, it would only take one of the newspapers to go round to Southwark and go, "Why have you not prosecuted?" Well, we didn't actually see anything. Well, oh, do you not have uh, CCTV? I mean, you know, it's just councils wasting your money, mainly on themselves, I think. Uh, there's a nice peach. Um, nice... I mean, you said there's a peachy bottom in the paper today, and there are quite a number of peachy bottoms because it's celebrities obsessed with showing you their bottom, and uh, and it's the same old, same olds. You know, the attention-seeking Abby Clancy. I mean, dear God, we've seen a picture of every part of this girl's anatomy. You know, spare us your bum, dear. Uh, Suki Waterhouse, spare us it. Uh, Victoria's Secret model. But there again, you expect them to show you everything. Nobody cares about them. Uh, also, you've got uh, Ola Jordan. I mean, dear God in heaven. It's just, it's a bit sad and tragic. Uh, Rihanna. Um, Beyonce is bootylicious. Millie Mackintosh, Scrawny old creature she is. Uh, and there's Miss Moss. And uh, and Kelly Brooke. But there again, we've seen every picture of Kelly Brook, haven't we? That we're really bothered about. But they all insist on showing a picture of their bottom Including the saddest is Heidi Klum, who at 43 is showing you a picture of her pulling her pants down. I don't quite get this, actually. Who's this supposed to be appealing to, apart from some very strange people? Very strange people. Uh, The Disneyland trip makes all the papers, but as I say, I'd rather be safe and on the ground than in danger up in the air. Thank you very much indeed. Um, And the... um, more than half of parents who split up are unmarried. It seems to be the thing nowadays, doesn't it, for people not to bother getting married? They don't. You sort of go, here is so and so, and their partner. is What the children get called, I've got no idea apart from the usual. Uh, 84850 stevedlbc.co.uk. And the policewoman who lied for a detective lover is sacked. Um, this is a detective. It's an interesting story. She was accused of lying. This is a detective. Accused of lying, perished the thought, about whether her policeman partner had been pushing a pram whilst off sick with a shoulder injury. He looks like he's carrying about as much weight as it is possible. Rebecca Cohen, a mother of two, told a colleague that Alan Gustafsson had not been pushing it. But the colleagues became suspicious and obtained CCTV footage which showed DC Gustafsson pushing their one-year-old daughter around a shopping centre. Both officers were hauled before a misconduct hearing, and whilst it ruled that D.C. Gustafsson had no case to answer, apart from just lying, um, uh, the uh, D.C. Cowan had been dismissed for breaching professional standards. The misconduct panel... I'm amazed, actually, that they've got these misconduct panels and everything else. So he's off. Um, There's nothing the matter with him. He's just off, and... She then says that he hadn't been pushing the pram because he was off sick, and it turned out he had been pushing the pram when he was off sick. This was this was 2015. This is how far back it goes. And so on December the 10th, he was seen pushing his one-year-old daughter during a trip to the Liverpool One shopping centre with his partner, Detective Inspector Rachel Wilson, uh, his then line manager. She told the panel. She'd not questioned him over it at the time because he was also with his mother-in-law and she didn't want to embarrass him. It's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Did you do this? No. Uh, So who is this that we've got on the CCTV? Ah, that would be him, yes. That would be him. And the reason for their decision... uh, So D.C. Gustafsson had no case to answer but D.C. Cowan had breached professional standards. Uh, D.C. Gustafsson was said to have become aggressive defencing... Defensive, telling D.I. Wilson, "You never saw me pushing a pram. I couldn't push," and she sa- "And then D.C. Cowen is alleged to have backed him up, saying he wasn't pushing it. He couldn't push it. He hasn't been able to pick up the baby for five months." And then they produce the CCTV and they go, "Da da! This is you pushing the pram. That would be you, would it?" It's kind of like, "Oops, been caught out." So they got rid of her, but they didn't get rid of him, which is uh, which is very bizarre, actually. Both denied breaching professionalism and honesty standards. So they've now ruled that he's got no no case to answer. I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't look as though he's fit to push a pram anyway. But um, he's he's denied it all the way through. Uh, She told the disciplinary committee, she said to DC Gustafsson, that she told him, get yourself back to work. He added, she said, I want you back at work next week, and the conversation ended. She then obtained CCTV footage. What if you're going to be pushing a pram around a shopping (laughs) centre... There's going to be record of it, isn't there? Somewhere. And so somebody's going to go, listen, that's the it's like people who say, sorry, you were driving this car. It's amazing. Actually, we don't have enough proper CCTV that people go. uh, We can't tell. Do you remember we had this with a number of celebrity couples when they were stopped for speeding and they sent them the picture? They said, can you tell us who was driving the car? And the couple wrote back and went, we don't know who was driving the car. You think, well, of course you know who was driving the car. Don't be silly. Of course you do. But they go, no, we don't know who was driving it. So uh, the case ends in stalemate because they can't prosecute somebody who might be wrong. Although if you do uh, prosecute somebody who's wrong and they prove him wrong, then it's got to be the other person. But uh, it doesn't kind of work like that in the law. So we've had various celebrities saying we have no idea who was driving the car. Well, I don't think I've ever had a situation, you might be the same, where you don't know who was driving the car. I mean, how many people have you drive the car The answer is, obviously, in some families, quite a bit, I should imagine. Uh, The other story is, did the dinosaurs die out because the eggs took too long to hatch? They reckon up to six months, I mean, it's widely accepted, I think you'll find, that uh, dinosaurs were killed out 65 million years ago following a volcanic eruption or asteroid strikes that veiled the earth in dust and shut out the sun. Because, strangely enough, nobody knew why they succumbed while birds, mammals and insects survived. The latest uh, findings published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences suggest they took so long to hatch, they were more vulnerable to being eaten while parents risked starvation protecting them. That's quite, that's quite exciting, isn't it? I like that. I like that. If you haven't been to the Natural History Museum, now would be a good time to go because I'm assuming that as you're going back to work today, are the schools going back? Could the schools be going back at the same time? Or do schools get this extra week and then they go back next week? I don't know. You can always tell on the trains, though, in the morning, because they'll be very busy with children talking in very high voices and very loudly and on their telephones about, you know, how great Christmas has been and what, what great presents they got and stuff like that. And other people will be sitting there thinking, why don't you just shut up? Make it so much easier. Um, the other story is uh, in, the, in the paper today about Bobby Moore. They've just done this film on the television with Michelle Keegan in... And uh, Bobby Moore's family have said that the FA didn't do enough for him. They didn't promote him within the thing. They just kind of left him uh, to uh, to sort of disappear around. It was all a bit bit sad, really. And so they said they they kicked our hero, Bobby Moore. Into Touch. Now, what the programme will show on the touch, I don't know because I haven't seen it because I'm not particularly interested. I prefer to sort of read up on somebody before... Because I've got Tom Daly coming in today. Did I mention Tom Daly? Anyway, Tom Daley's coming in to see me because he's got a book to promote. And it's where I'm going to sit there trying to look thin and emaciated. And he's going to sit there looking fit. And he's going to have to try and convince me that what he's eating... Because you can bet your bottom dollar Tom Daly does not eat sausage, bacon peanut butter on toast, cups of tea and all sorts of things for breakfast. He'll be eating healthily. He'll be eating very, very healthily. Because I don't know how old he is now. How old is, uh, is Tom Daly? Is he, is he early 20s? Something like that. Um, he's also explained, I'm sure he'll be explaining to us on the programme as well, um, why his speed is so small. Because, and it's, this is all to do with aerodynamics, isn't it? He's 20, is he only 22 wow only 22 and he's achieved that much good god he's going to get married this year i think i think this is the year that he gets married um he's been in a relationship for two and a half years two and a half years i mean you know for the person that everybody went won't last you know won't last two and a half years they've been going now so they're going to get married this year and I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Whether it's going to be done by a celebrity mag, I'm going to ask him, actually. I'm going to ask. I don't care, you know. Could I be a bridesmaid or something like that? But uh, is, is it going to be done by a celebrity magazine? Will it be flying in his family? Will it be here? Will it be in America? You know, you've got to find out all these things, haven't you? And then we'll get round to the why I'm eating all the wrong food. And that's when I get terribly, terribly depressed.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, pretty Nice to be company. Tuesday, 3rd of... January. Uh, Lynn says that uh, fly tipping drives me mad. I live in a small close and almost every morning we wake up to more rubbish dumped in parking bays or on the grass. Makes me furious. I know it is absolutely disgraceful that people will sort of say, oh I'll, I'll remove that rubbish for you, charge them 25 30 quid, go round the corner, dump it on the ground I've seen it happening before my very eyes. Uh, some schools are back today, some are back tomorrow. Short week for the kids isn't it really? Are you sure they're learning things nowadays? <laughs> Probably not uh mix says, uh, "Cheese on toast yesterday, now bacon yes, we were, we were coming up actually uh, yesterday with all these formulas of uh of sort of exactly what people have for breakfast and it's amazing There's a piece in the paper today that says the majority of kids who are going off to school have almost twice their amount of sugar before they've got there because of I suppose cereals and because of spreads and stuff like that. It's very easy to actually end up having loads and loads of sugar. But that seems to give them energy. Well, I say give some energy. I use the term loosely, of course. Uh, Jack says, I think charities should post exactly how much actually gets to the cause. I'm sick to death of harrowing images of children and animals. But it's, it's what appeals to people, isn't it? If you see a picture of a child and then you look at your own life and you think, well, I've, you know, I can give £2 or £5 or something like that, because that's nothing. You know, to most people, two pounds to five pounds is absolutely nothing. You can do it on your telephone so it goes onto your onto your phone bill so you don't worry about it so much. But it is but it's 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 playing with your with your psyche. It's making you feel guilty. And if you see animals starving, if you see pictures of donkeys that are sort of weighed down under the uh, the weight of bricks and rocks and building material, you feel sorry for them. We, we're we supposed to be, surprisingly, a nation of animal lovers. And yet you go to the RSPCA and the PDSA and the Battersea Cat and Dogs Home and all the other places around the country. They'll tell you differently. They'll tell you that at Christmas time, they're absolutely up to their gummels with animals that have been abandoned by their owners so we're not the uh, nation of animal lovers that we thought we were in the first place perhaps we should have adopted the blue peter approach that was why blue peter had a dog and a cat that had a couple of cats and a tortoise because that became your dog your cats your tortoise we believed it was ours because most kids didn't have a pet because parents couldn't afford to keep one now i saw a woman the other day in richmond crossing the road with her boyfriend talking to her dog Nothing the matter with that, but it was one of these little tiny things that shivers most of the time. And she's holding it. It's bitterly cold. It's got no coat on. She's holding it. And I thought, what are you doing with that dog? These things should be made. You know, you walk. Dogs walk. You don't carry them around. They're not some little jewellery accessory or something. These people are sick. It's not normal. Not normal to walk around holding dogs. Unless the thing is, uh, is really ill. But um, it's in, in most cases, I'm afraid, it's not. It's just people who think they're being really clever by carrying a dog around. It makes me. It drives me mad to the point of distraction, I'm afraid. I have to look the other way. Luckily, you don't see it at rush hour, do you? Although you do see... Lo- the thing I do see loads and loads of... I saw a bloke getting off a bus yesterday in Twickenham. and He gets off the bus and his daughter gets off the bus and then starts screaming and having a bit of a tantrum because her scooter was still on the bus. Meanwhile, her father... Obviously without mother. He's trying to get the pram off the bus, which is packed, with a little boy. So he goes back and he stay on the bus, picks up the scooter and the little girl, who really goes, he, he goes, oh, that was good. You managed to do without your scooter. Thought, Why didn't you make her take it off the bus? And then the little boy comes and stands under me. It looked like one of the Minions. He's standing there looking up at me. And I'm sort of there thinking, what do you want? What do you want? And his father says, oh, you've made a friend there. I go, riveting. You know, somebody else's kid standing in front of you. anyway, so they all sort of toddle off. And I assumed at that moment that mother was probably at home going, I need the rest after Christmas. You take the kids out shopping. And so, of course, when you go shopping and you've got one, so he sits a little boy in the pram. Little boy doesn't want him out the pram. All right, you can walk for a little bit, you know. And then he starts negotiating with the daughter who looks about three over, you know, uh, the boy can have... Your scooter when he gets a bit older. He's not going to want a pink scooter, is he? And then, you know, you can have a new scooter and then you can go out scooting together and all this kind of stuff. And uh, all I was thinking, you can always see them. The the poor old fathers who on Saturday morning have been dumped with the kids while mum goes shopping, sitting in Starbucks, reading a newspaper and the kids got to sit there and stare into the distance. There's no interaction at all. Absolutely nothing. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. What about all those people, says Mick, who've got colds today? You know, if you actually were sitting on a train and the Queen gets on, you're going to be getting off again pretty quickly because she's she's got a heavy cold, and so you know, can you take tissues, please? If you're going on a on a train or a bus today, don't sit there, sniff. I'm going to sneeze now. Actually, have you? <coughs> have talked about it now. It makes me. Is that funny? It was like the other. I was sitting out in the office earlier on, and I was I was we were dictating to the producer. <laughs> only in fun, and uh, about some of the stories, you know, orange monkeys, that kind of thing. And um, and then at the same time, as I was doing the front page of one of the papers, uh, Darren was doing the front page, and the producer said to me, oh, isn't that amazing? It's like sort of, you know, both doing it exactly the same time. I thought, you really need to get out more and have a life, because it is. sometimes you do feel a bit psychic, don't you? I was thinking about something the other day. I was talking about Shilpa Shetty on the programme yesterday, because we couldn't remember out of which group came the woman who uh, racially abused her on television. And it turned out to be somebody from S Club 7, because I couldn't remember if it was Steps or S Club 7, but we found out it was S Club 7, so that was fine. And so we did that, and I said, "Wonder what it happened to Shilpa Shetty? Blow me down, she turns up in the papers today. Why? Because she knew one of the girls who was gunned down in Istanbul, in that nightclub. But I mean... Th- Never mentioned Shilpa Shetty before. Never talked about her on the program, apart from years and years ago when she was abused by Jade Goody and a few other people. Danielle Lloyd was one of them, and Joe O'Meara was the other one that uh, that were abusing her on the television. Although, strange enough, they they became well, Jade Goody did somewhat sort of strange bedfellows. Where Shilpa took her to India for reasons best known to herself. I think because Jade Goody called her Shilpa Poppadon or something, and it's a it kind of it was a sort of stupid thing that you would expect Jade Goody to say. But uh, they did all want a bit pear shaped. But isn't it strange? We've only mentioned her, and then blow me down. She turns up in the papers because she knew one of the girls who was a a makeup artist in that dreadful atrocity in Istanbul. So I mean, sometimes it's there's almost like a a, a link, isn't there? You think about somebody. Oh, you must have done it yourself at home. You've thought about somebody. You thought, oh, I wonder whatever happened to or wherever so and so went to, and then blow me down. It turns up in the papers, like Brian Woodlake who died, who was an LBC presenter. The BBC have tried to make out, oh, no, he was with us all the time and all the rest of it. Well, he wasn't, because he came to LBC uh, when we turned into another another version of LBC some years ago. And uh, he did an afternoon programme. But he was, as I said at the beginning of the programme, he was he was the old school of journalism, which was, uh, you know, hard-bitten hacks who drank. And Fleet Street was full of watering holes that wrote practically 24 hours a day so you could go out and drink 24 hours a day day, if you so desired and I can remember being in Richmond and I saw Brian Woodlake and a guy called Hugh Scully who used to I think an antiques program going for a song or something like that and they were both three sheets to the wind and at one point they fell over you know you do you know if you've had enough to drink and all of a sudden you just cannot maintain your balance and I remember standing there thinking because I was fairly new. And fairly sort of, you know, um, I knew them from, from the television. I remember thinking, God, that's Brian Brian Woodlake and Hugh Scully. And then they both collapsed on top of each other on the pavement. Picked themselves up again and sort of and carried on. But that was occupational hazard, I think. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Back to work today and I've got my annual appraisal, uh, it says Andrew. He says, do you think you could carry out an appraisal on your producer? They do have appraisals. A you have appraisals, don't you? Don't they do a, don't they do? A- Oh, they don't. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought they did. Do they not? Oh, you haven't had one? Well, perhaps you're under the radar. Perhaps you fit into a different category. Perhaps you have to go back to Sydney to sort of get an appraisal before they sort of say, yeah, we really, really want to get rid of him and uh, shove him back to it. I don't know. Could be anything like that, couldn't it? Uh, the, the face scrub story is very interesting. It's amazing how many of you know this, this face scrub because I've bought it over the years. And I do use a face scrub, but I'm using, because I think it's butch. It might not be. I'm using Clinique. Face scrub, and it's got little tiny these little plastic pearls in there, which apparently is very good for you because you're supposed to exfoliate. But I'm led to believe you can exfoliate your body with just um, um, a back brush or something like that. You put some, and you the action of scrubbing takes off the the dead skin. Do you not do this? And that whenever you're sitting in the no, obviously not just. Just me again. You don't have a shower chair. You don't need a shower chair to do this. You just need to have a scrubbing thing. And it exfoliates you. You know when you sort of rub your skin like that and sometimes you can see dead skin coming off? No? Just me again. And uh, yes, yes, I'm young. I don't have dead skin. Oh, you do. Believe you me. And you and you sort of do that. And that's what exfoliating does. And it reveals underneath a nice bright hue. A nice, you know, sort of glossy... Because I think I've got absolutely fantastic skin. I think so. I mean, obviously I'm completely wrong, but... Uh, the producer looks at me with pity, I'm afraid, when I go through one of these sort of little rambles about, you know, how to look after your skin. You'll, you'll thank me in years to come, I promise you. Coming up shortly, the news at six o'clock. It is time for you to get up and get ready for work because you've got to go back to work today. Not all the schools are back at work. How lucky you children are to be able to stay in bed whilst the rest of us adults have got to get out there and earn a small crust. George Michael's pals have blasted his boyfriend. They say he was a leech. They didn't say this beforehand. He's been with him for four years. Uh, The Harrods restaurant staff losing the cash because they don't pass on the tips. But apparently if you take a drop in salary, they'll let you have the tips. Doesn't kind of make any sense to me. Susan Boyle's company's got more than £2.2 million in the bank. She's got quite a number of of bank accounts. And give him a damn gong. All the friends furious. The last damn buster is snubbed.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday. I know you'd like to think it was Monday, but I promise you, it's Tuesday. It's the third of January, and traditionally the day after you've had all that time off that you've got to go back to work and try and motivate yourself and go back. And everybody's going, "Hi, how was your Christmas? How people are going to be asking you how your Christmas is, how your New Year was. Did you make any New Year resolutions? Yes, same old resolutions as last year. I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to cut back on drinking. going to be a fitter person, I'm going to sort of be more motivated, I'm going to be nicer to people, and it's going to make you the most boring person under the sun. You've got to keep fit to beat dementia, because all the papers are going to be banging on now for ages and ages about diets, and uh, although I've actually noticed in the papers today there is no mention of celebrity DVDs, because I think you're finally falling out of love with them. I think you finally realise that these things don't work. They're done by celebrities for a fee. They get money. And the more they can convince you that this is how it worked for them. Of course, the fact that they've had a a trainer with them, they never do it by themselves because otherwise they'd have done it ages ago. They're now doing it. They go, listen, for three months, you're going to have a trainer and we're going to shift to shed loads of these because people are going to think that, you know, you can buy into this and you can do it the same. You can't. Unless you're going to go out there, you're going to get yourself a trainer, you're going to be the same blobby blob blob that you were last year all you got to do is cut back the simple hard and fast Steve Allen rule is little and often that's what it means little and often also you know take the stairs don't take the lift you know just try and think to yourself would you now in your present stage put on a pair of speedos and go and lie on a beach in Dubai no you wouldn't if the answer is no you wouldn't you're definitely overweight you're definitely not not sorry the, the Prosecco diet is... Well, the Prosecco workout is try and find the bottle in the boot of the car. So that's a bit of a challenge. So you're moving the hands around. You're doing a little bit of, you know, weaving and ducking and diving in the boot. Or, you know, you've got to reach up in Costco to bring it down. You know, anything that involves movement... And bringing things down to you is good. You know, and then it depends if you've bought a bottle of Prosecco or a litre of Prosecco. Sometimes two hands and holding the action. Again, all of this is useful. It's called moving parts of your body that you wouldn't normally move. The action of lifting the glass to your mouth is, is, again, a form of therapy. It's you're lifting something up. It's like holding weights. The only difference is this weight gets lighter the more you tip it into your mouth. It's most unusual. It doesn't work with everything else. You know, the same thing is... Don't go and buy anything that involves having to cut it open. So don't buy chocolates or stuff like that, because you've got to open the package. You can lift the chocolates, but you mustn't eat them. Eating chocolates is bad. Yesterday, I ate a whole, a whole bag of Easy Peelers, sweet and juicy. Well, A whole bag barring three, and there's about ten in, in the bag. And I thought that's actually good. I've basically eaten an orange grove. That's got to be good for me. That will keep away a cold, a flu. And I've been with people who've had colds and flu, admittedly nowhere near Her Majesty. You know, she's got a really heavy cold. I mean, for that, I should imagine it's probably weighing her down and she's suffering. We spoke to Camilla Tomine. According to Princess Anne, she is getting better which always is good news, isn't it? I always think that's actually very good news if the Queen is actually getting better. Because at the age of 90, you don't want to get colds and flus and, you know, trip over things. and It's just not not healthy. You know, try and do a bit of exercise. Why they don't do in parks. And, and I'll tell you, I, I can tell you the answer to this one. In, in a park near me, <coughs> in Richmond, they've got some exercise things for Adults. And so adults can go there and do a little bit of, you know, why is there not a thing where you can pull yourself up or do something? Because you can be fit and you can be fairly old, can't you? You can still do something. Because you see a lot of people, they slow down. I mean, I don't think I've slowed down at all. I think I'm exactly the same lazy, good-for-nothing fat person that I was last year. Unfortunately, in my mind, I see a thin person. I don't see a really, really fat person. And because I've got a great personality... (laughs) You have to. If you don't have looks and you don't have thinness, you have to develop a personality. It's as simple as that. And so you sort of you go out there and I do my best. I think all the local parks should have an area where elderly people can do a bit of exercise on a, you know, or a swing or a roundabout or something. But for for older people. And the truth of the matter is, you don't want to look a bit sad. You don't want to be Billy No-Mates, do you? Where you sort of go out and they go, oh, look, isn't that sad? He's, he's, You know, I'd like a bar system where you could try and pull yourself up. And it would be a case of trying to pull yourself up. Because when you're young, you climb trees. When you get to be a certain age, like 30, you don't bother climbing trees because you're worried. And then you get to maybe 50, 55, 60. And all you worry about is falling over in the shower. So I've taken out that problem. I've put a seat in the shower. And I sit on the seat and I'm quite happy. People laugh. You know, they laugh at me, they go, ha ha, you've got a seat in the shower, you're an old person. I go, no, it means I can reach everything, and it means that I'm not going to fall out of the bath. There is that danger when you get to be a certain age, all of a sudden you lose your footing. You know, I mean, I can, just putting socks on, fall over. It is entirely possible, so I have to sit down to put socks on. But that's, you know, you, you get used to doing things like that. So, will I lose weight this month? I don't know, I'll have, I'll have a chat to Tom Daly. And I'll ask him whether or not, he's going to be my, my new best friend by the end of today, I promise you, uh, whether or not it is entirely likely that somebody at my tender age, 47, <coughs> 6, to uh, to actually lose weight and be a fitter person. Because that's what they say. They say you, you can live longer. And you go, well, I don't know. There was that man who died the other day, the one of the illustrators on Bambi. He was 106. I don't think I want to live to be 106. I'd be kind of worrying about being on borrowed time. You know, every day you open your eyes tentatively in the morning going, what, what, what time is it? God, it's gone three o'clock. What do I can listen to Steve Allen at four? And uh, and then you think, should I get up? The answer is, yes, of course, get up. Lying in bed doesn't solve any problem at all, unless you're ill and you have to lie in bed. You know, even if you get up now, have a shower or have a cup of tea or get yourself ready, you know, it's, it's very difficult. The the, the the sort of the downside of getting older as you start falling apart and it starts, you know, I notice it with people around here, people who sort of age before my eyes mainly those who worked on this programme before. And, it, and you sort of, you know, you try and sort of chivvy them, come on, come on, you know, I'm a bit older than you are, quite a bit. And, uh, and if I can do it, you can do it as well. But whether or not I'm ever going to have that washboard stomach, I think is, I mean, it's so much of a pipe dream. I'd love to go to bed at night and somebody comes in and waves a magic wand and they're all of a sudden, ping, just so you could see what you look like for a brief moment, you know, with a washboard stomach. And you go into work and people go, wow, you look hot. And you casually let your shirt fall open. You casually let people you know, look at your really good body but at the moment to be honest with you it's just kind of not worth it there's no point, if somebody said at the moment I'm supposed to be going on a holiday, at some point this year with some friends of mine who are a lot younger and they're going to go on a beach holiday, there is no chance I'm going on a beach holiday unless I've lost about two, I'm just not doing it I do not want to be humiliated I do not want people to sort of tie a rope round me, push me out to sea and go a whale daddy, a whale, a whale, a whale you know, I don't want that kind of thing I don't want that to happen. I want to sort of be able to lie on the beach and try and look at... Years ago, you could hold your stomach in. But do you remember that time when all of a sudden you couldn't hold your stomach in? That was the difficult thing. And so I'd love that to come back again. But I think I might have kind of reached the point of no return. We'll find out, shall we, over the next uh, six months to a year. It's about how long it's going to take, I reckon. But of course, you have to make the effort. And I'm a bit lazy in that department, as my doctor will tell you. Uh, George Michael's pals blasting his partner, if you've just woken up, this is in the paper, they've asked these questions, so what happened on the night that he died? The answer is nobody knows. He was by himself, you can guess. Was he on drugs? Had he finished with his current partner? Uh, Was he back with Kenny, who he'd been with for 17 years? Uh, Had he taken any drugs? Why did he not go to midnight mass? Well, because he was down in Goring. And uh, people down there have said quite openly they didn't know if he was at home or not at home. Sometimes the lights were on, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that somebody is at home. Um, Britain's most popular face scrub. Does it make you look a bit older? The answer is it might do. They've uh, And it's a different formula in America. In America, you get different formulas for all sorts of things than you do over here. Peter from Braintree says, listening to you from Sydney, Australia, overlooking the harbour, he says nice temperature uh, to 24 24 degrees day, so 24 degrees. Double it and add 30, 48. Oh God, 78 degrees. No thank you, no thank you at all. Ian says back to work today, and I'm going to drink four litres of water. Everybody should rehydrate themselves. See, that's that's the good start, isn't it? That is the good start where you start drinking water, sort of give your body a a, a sort of toxic flush out. I did go, as I said the other day, to Winter Wonderland. And I was delighted to report that at least the prices had come down on the food. Chips were £3 as opposed to about £5 the year before. And uh, they've learnt their lesson. Strangely, though, all of the food stalls, cash only. I'm assuming that their um, cash, um, um, what do they call them, little cash machine things for taking credit cards, had all broken at the same time. And so they all had to take cash only. That's what I'm assuming. Uh, The Mirror this morning, we'll run through the front pages a little bit later on. They say, survive dry January. I don't know if they mean dry January because you're going to stop drinking or dry January because it's going to get freezing cold. Uh, They say it is. This big freeze is going to last a month. And this morning you'll notice it. When you go out there, my friend John Maloney retweeted about the big freeze. It's cold. It really is. There's ice all over the cars today. So if you're leaving for work and you're taking the car, get out there a little bit earlier and uh, and hopefully today you might remember to go and buy a scraper for the windscreen or at least some de-icer, but remember to do all your windows so you can see out because you're going to get people who are just appalling drivers and there's going to be accidents, there's going to be a little bit of black ice out there and it's going to be bad, so just remember,
0: take it easy. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to have having... you. I know you don't want to get up. I know you don't want to go to work. I know what it's like. I know you've had all that nice holiday. You might have been away somewhere hot. You might have been to Dubai, which seems to be the favoured destination. It must be really cheap in Dubai, because every time I read about certain celebrities, go they always go to Dubai. Every time you see Millie McAdoo in Dubai, people from Essex, Dubai it must be the place to go to. I think Barbara Windsor has been on, uh, on quite a number of occasions. So m- sorry, it must. It's a place to... I've never been. I mean, I mean, a friend of mine, Chris Allen, works over there. As you know, he does uh, he does real estate, and I've always thought it sounds like a giant building site. Do you know, he's been listening to LBC since since Gough Square days. He says it goes to prove to you just how bad Dubai Radio is. I can't imagine anything that could be worse. It'll be all the people who didn't make it on British Radio. That's what I always, I always see it as like that. Even though I worked out in uh, in Vienna for uh, for a number of years. Uh, talking of keeping fit, says Malcolm, which we were. He said, I stumbled across a program called The World's Strongest Man. If some of the tasks which they have to perform are doing them any good, I'll eat my hat. I am always I'm, i always think there are certain people who do that bodybuilding or they pull a train or they pull a car or a boat or they sort of lift huge weight. I don't understand what they're doing it for. There's something odd about people who do bodybuilding. You know, I can understand the body beautiful. I can understand people, you know, they do this and they pose and they have their things. It's not for me. And I suspect that's not what Tom Daly does either. I wonder how much he, he sort of pushes his sort of food ideas on, on the other half, on Lance. I wonder really whether or not he sort of said, this is what we're having for breakfast. Two rye eaters, You know, or whether we're having something really exciting. Somebody the other day, do you remember I told you in, in one of the diets, it had pieces of apple with a peanut sauce. Now whether or not you dipped the apple, what did I have for tea yesterday? I mean, I'm probably going to get into trouble for this, but I had two bread rolls with some haddock chowder. I didn't make it quite clearly because I can't do stuff like that. But haddock chowder. I kept convincing myself that haddock chowder was good. So I had two portions of it. I <laughs> had two portions of haddock chowder. And it was delicious. I kept thinking, this is lovely. Put it in a big mug, a really big mug, and drink it. Like, oh, Delicious. And I kept thinking, it's go- I'm eating fish. I'm eating fish. It's got to be good for me, hasn't it? All I need to do is find a, find a bone in it, and that'll be me put off completely. Uh, Chris says, much better exercise with a special MS and half litre bottle. And it's not on the top shelf. Can't keep up with the early spike. Mark did give you the Prosecco gift to National Geographic. Absolutely, yes. Thank you. Uh, Malcolm says, oh, no, so we just done that one. Sorry, did you pick your button about that uh, world's strongest man. Which is good. Uh, My doctor said you should use almond oil in warm, not hot water for your ears. I also get fed up, says Mo, with cars parked in parent and baby bays. No child, just a child seat in the car. So I think (laughs) that shows a bit of an ingenuity, doesn't it, really? We've got a child seat in the car. Uh, So the big freeze... Wrap up warm, make sure everything's working. This is the time of year you don't want your, uh, your central heating not to work. They keep putting adverts on these shopping channels for ceramic radiators. They're like £500. And they go, oh, they're really good for you. And I'm thinking, oh, may- I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, Pixie Lott has revealed her dream is to star and sing in a 007 movie. Well, I see no reason why she couldn't. You can't do both, though. You can't star in it and feature in it. Sheena Easton. Uh, who did, she? did she do For Your Eyes Only, I think? She's uh, coming into London this year. She's doing 42nd Street. I couldn't quite work out which part she'd be playing because she must be in her 60s now, Sheena Easton. She must be. She was very friendly. I think she went out with Prince some years ago and she's lived in America for ages and so she's going to be in 42nd Street. I wasn't sure really whether or not Sheena Easton was big enough to be known by the audience who go to theatre in this country. I know who she is because I'm a certain age uh, what's this a picture of? Oh, Martin Kemp says he would love to do a Spandau ballet inspired talent show, but he fears his group who had a string of 80s hits might not be able to stay on good terms for long enough because he's on Gary Barlow's Let It Shine uh, that begins on Saturdays so that we say goodbye to each other at the conveyor belt at Heathrow and that's it. We don't talk to each other for a few years because <laughs> I should imagine, you know, it's, it, it's people sort of, you know, if you're with people all the time. You know, that would drive you absolutely mad, wouldn't it? Unless you were in a relationship. But, you know, you just... I mean, the Who didn't speak to each other for years. I believe they still don't. If they communicate between Roger Daltrey and, um, and Pete Townsend, they do it via email. Because they've just... They've been so long with each other that they just... They can't be bothered. And I think that's with a lot of groups. A lot of groups split up like that. Because they go, we just kind of fall out. We just kind of fall out. Uh, the other story that's in the paper today is poor old uh, Bianca Gascoigne, A most dreadful picture of her on a beach in Mexico. I mean, really dreadful picture. In fact, uh, as I say, I'd, I'd quickly get that one changed or get it removed from the paper. They've got all sorts of uh, people like Spencer Pratt and uh, Nicola McLean and James Cosmo, who are also in the TV house. I don't know who James Cosmo is. And Nicola McLean, as I say, nobody knows who she is in this country. She was She was seventh, I think, in her year, and that was 2012. Uh, Britain's facing the white hell. Still no snow in Vienna. I would expect if you went to Vienna at this time of year that the place would at least be dusted with the white stuff. But according to my friend Paul Hollingdale over there, absolutely nothing at all. So cold, but no snow. So perhaps it's going to be later. Michael Dennis, the black cab poet, he's, he's on one of these diets because if you sit driving a black cab, you're not going to be losing any weight, are you? So you've, you've almost got to try and find exercises you can do in the cab. But if you don't do that, then you've got to find the right sort of food. He says, my breakfast now is yoghurt, honey, pineapple and walnuts. Instead of two pre-packed sarnies, a bag of crisps, two bars of chocolate. Since June, I've lost over two stone. I don't feel so lethargic. I don't suffer from heartburn as much. He said, so happy new year and best wishes to you and your listeners. I think he also includes the uh, the, the producers in that as well. So no, you don't feel left out. So but that's good, isn't it? So yoghurt, honey, pineapple and walnuts instead of two, see walnuts are supposed to be very good for you. Barbara Windsor loves walnuts. And but he said he used to have two pre-packed sarnies, a bag of crisps and two bags. Uh, sorry, in two bars of chocolate. So that's that's what you would have, is it? You, you wouldn't have that now. You'd have the healthy breakfast. Would you have the? That's an amazing breakfast. What yoghurt? Oh, you have an amazing breakfast. What? What? What do you have? from from down under in australia what would what would an australian super fit breakfast be eh really you have granola okay uh with apricot he calls it yogurt it's yogurt okay yogurt okay so gr- wait a minute granola with apricot yogurt okay and uh, and and then raspberries and strawberries and a peanut butter bagel. Oh, that's that's the that's it. That's great. And that's why he's not lost any weight at all. That's why he's still as big as he ever was. And is ballooning. He looks like that character in Willy Wonka. You're just going to sort of balloon and balloon and balloon, and then and then go up. You know. It's, I mean, I'm not sure whether granola is actually good for you. I don't even know. What, is, is granola sort of a mixture of nuts and fruit and stuff like that? Is it fruit cereal and honey? See, honey can't be good for you. That's all sugar. How can that be good for you? That's a nat- well, natural sugars are bad for you. It's like fructose. In fr- it is bad for you. I'm telling you, as a diabetic, I know these things. I might not, you know, have, have the body of, of a god, but I promise you, I've got a mindset of a god and a goddess. I'm, I'm sort of equally comfortable both sides of the fence and uh, sort of trans, but for, the, but for the fat person's world, you know, so you could be trans. I like the idea, though, of sort of, of eating health. My mother used to eat a lot of muesli which, as far as I'm concerned, is roughly akin to eating coconut matting. It's about as dull and boring, isn't it? So, you know, whereas I've just had two small cupfuls of gold top milk. I don't feel any better. In fact, I feel slightly more decadent than I did before I started the programme. And, of course, it makes me much better when I see, you know, people who are photographed on the beaches and they need to lose a little bit of weight. I quite quite like that look. And so there is a picture uh, of various people on beaches... And people who've lost weight and people who haven't lost weight. And, um, and it would have been, to mark what would have been David Bowie's 70th birthday, uh, one particular radio station, I want to find out which one of his albums is the most loved. I'm assuming, actually, it would be the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, but don't take my word for it. What do I know about these sort of things? Uh, big Brother Shilpa's Grief for the Club Victim Pal, which is what I talked about a short while ago. Uh, Shilpa Shetty discovered a pal, died in the Turkish nightclub massacre, Kushi Shah, was one of India's top fashion designers. She was among one of the 39 people killed over there when this gunman opened uh, fire. They will find him. They will find him because they've got fingerprints all over the gun, which he uh, decided to leave there.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning. Nice to be company. It's Tuesday, 3rd of January. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nick Ferrari is uh, back with you this morning. I think it's uh, it's all systems as normal. In fact, it is. I've just seen Nick Ferrari arriving so, uh, so there you go, so he'll be with you this morning just after news at 7, James O'Brien what if it's magical hour today or musical hour which ones he's still running with, I love the, I love the musical hour, that's one of my favourites uh, Steve, I've been using runny honey to replace my sugar intake says Tony, you see I thought honey was, it is just sugar isn't it concentrated sugar, that's all it is uh, Steve, talking of Dubai, says trolley dolly Dave don't go, it's full of chavs and new money Brits and Russians (laughs) sounds ideal sounds absolutely ideal apparently Honey G uh, flopped at the New Year's Eve gig in Blackpool and the single says Tony only made what would would be a flop in the chart put it this way do you think she made top 20 no top 10 oh no definitely not top 30 no top 40 no top 60 no she didn't make top 60 either she made number one hundred and forty-six in the charts. So, as Tony says, looks like she can now go back to that great place where so many of them live, called obscurity. Which is fantastic. And I did, I did see actually that headline. I am sure it said "Honey G flops," and that was in Blackpool, where she. I mean, she doesn't, she's not in show business. She's just a pretend character. She's an old woman who's got an agency, uh, not for anybody singing or doing anything else, He's put on dark glasses and a baseball cap. As I say, once she takes it off, what have you got? Nothing. Nothing at all. And uh, Tom of Worthing says, you do have the body of a god, it just happens to be Buddha. Listen, I don't mind... I don't know, that's very funny. I don't need to laugh at that. It's hurtful, actually. Hurtful to the people who actually support Buddha. Although, strangely enough, I do have a little Buddha at home. A little... And it's made of jade. It's a jade Buddha, which my parents bought back from Hong Kong uh, years and years ago. And I've still got it. And, uh, and I quite like it, actually. I quite do, actually. I'm, I'm quite a big fan. Quite a big fan. Steve, I was on a Midland train from Euston last night. It was so full we sat in first class. The conductor told us to leave as oysters are no good for first class. Yes, uh, they're not any good in first class. You can't. It's no good sitting there and you produce your, your oyster card. It doesn't work. And Helen says, I don't think it should be a first class anymore. Well, uh, you might be right. Does it really make any difference? Why don't we just have empty carriages and not have, bother having first class? But they can make so much money on them, except on a lot of occasions, people just go and sit in first class anyway. If it was on a normal train round our way, if it was going to say Windsor and Eton or Hounslow or anything like that, then you can sit in it legally. If it's doing a long distance journey like uh, London Reading, you can't sit in first class because you have to pay to sit in first class. Oh, I'd be arresting all of them. You know, we get loads of our students from one of our local colleges sitting in first class because they think it's like cool and then trying to jump the barriers. Oh right bunch of old scallywags. They really are. And, uh, and I, I have sat in first class, but only when they've said you can do there. But I know that the oyster doesn't cover you at all. But perhaps we should get rid of it and just have one class train or we'll just call it trans. Make it easier and have trans carriages, trans train. We don't know anything. I just like to find toilets that work. 'Cause sometimes you do get on the train, and you think, I seriously need to use the, the loo now. And you go to it and it goes, Toilet broken or engaged or something, and you just know that it's not going to be happening anytime soon. Not so good, is it? Not so good, but never mind. We'll do the front pages of the papers in one second. Uh, and we take more of your texts uh, text and emails, eight four eight five oh stevenlbccouk LBC dot co dot uk. They used to have first, second and third. I'm old enough to remember, I think, third class carriages. It used to be painted on the outside, third class, and I think that was a bit cheaper. That was almost like cattle class. We used to joke about it being cattle class. Nick Ferrari, just after the news, at seven this morning, an exclusive LBC investigation uh, reveals that major outlets are giving dangerous and incorrect legal advice to customers buying drones. I've often thought about buying it. Have you bought a drone? No. You see, I thought about buying one. Now, I'll tell you who uses them a lot. Estate agents. State agents use them. If you look in country life, 90% of the pictures taken of particular properties are drones, which they send up and they take a picture of the property from the air and it just sends it back to their laptop and then they can take the pictures. Because I thought originally they must be using helicopters. I thought, well, why would you want to waste money on a helicopter? Buy a 200 quid drone, let it take the, uh, the pictures and then you can use it for sending drugs into prison afterwards, you know, which apparently was very popular. Nick will be speaking to the Shadow Education Secretary who warns that cuts to school funding will hit the country's poorest children the hardest? And is Theresa May right to conduct an overhaul of the honours system, as David Cameron's nominations cause yet more controversy? Yes, one of the last dam busters, one of the people who was responsible for the, uh, the, the bouncing bomb to destroy the Ruhr Dam and then flood the Ruhr Valley. And he's been overlooked. But if you give thousand pounds to the Conservative Party, uh, you can have a knighthood. And they've handed them out like dolly mixtures. It just seems ridiculous that they sort of, they just have, would you like one? Yeah, I'll take one, thank you. You know, Janet Report, would you like an award? Oh, I'll take that, definitely. But I thought you didn't like awards. That's what I said then, I've changed my mind, I want it. Give it me, give it me! And she takes it. And uh, so that's right, so after the honours for Cameron's cronies and the pen pushers, they say, give him a damn gong. Because he was a damn buster. He's 95, he's been really good. He's been really, really good. George Johnny Johnson, 95, took part in the bouncing bomb raid that destroyed the Ruhr Dam and flooded uh, upper parts of Germany. And yet he's been overlooked. He's been overlooked. I mean, it really is disgraceful. But as I say, if you want to grease uh, people's palms, you grease it with money. And then they get. The, the bloke who gave 900,000, uh, he's been given his knighthood for services to politics. So, in other words, technically speaking, if I gave a million pounds to the, the Libs or I gave it to Labour or I gave it to Conservatives or whoever I happen to give it to, does that guarantee me a knighthood? Services to politics? Because technically it should, according to Mr Cameron. Front page of the Daily Star. Uh, Sir Brad on skids. Bradley Wiggins will star in The uh, the Jump. He's just retired from professional cycling, but will brave the lethal slopes uh, they've already started filming, as far as I know. They always do this, and then they sort of edit it and put it out, and then we just sort of wait for the disasters to occur. I don't know what he's doing it for. It's a really low-rent sort of reality show, and it's got some of the worst people in it you could ever imagine. I mean, Spencer Matthews, Lydia Dim, Caprice Burrett. I mean, really, it's people who go, Sorry, who are they? And they go, I don't really know, actually. It's a little bit embarrassing. Spencer, not obviously couldn't get arrested... Uh, even after his little debacle with steroids, and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. We had to whisk him back to the country, and then they sort of hid him for a few months. Uh, Big Brother's uh, Bianca Gascoigne, I don't know what in God's name she's doing on there, but she apparently has put the cat among the pigeons. She's requested fish every night. Well, you just get what you're given, darling. And if you don't like it, well, then we'll see the true you, and I suspect we probably will for some of them. And that's what we're waiting for, isn't it? We're waiting for people to have a breakdown Uh, because that apparently provides entertainment in this country. It's very, very very embarrassing. Also, um, Speedy threatened to quit in a row over fish and chips. They said they wouldn't take part in the launch show unless the producers agreed to send regular supplies of their favourite... Well, get rid of them. Get rid of them. We don't need them. They're two old has-beens. They're not uh, not known in this country. Seriously, because they've been on Big Brother. I mean, you only have to look at the audience that go to Big Brother to realise it appeals to the lowest common denominator. It's not appealing to anybody else. The Daily Mirror... Survive dry January and the, the Justin Toper revealing all. Will your luck change in 2017? Probably not. But uh, I always like to have a look at things like that because I'm always interested in, in how they make these things up. They always sort of tell you various little bits and pieces. And I was just going to have a quick look and just see if it sort of said anything. Because one of them, I, I normally get to be the bottom of the page being Pisces, but I seem to have made it third in. It says, you have a reputation for not being economically sound. Well, that's absolute rubbish. Very economically sound, very economically sound. And it says here, uh, uh, however, with Jupiter, which is the planet of good fortune, situated in one of the money sectors of your chart, Lady Luck is around the corner. Really? Lady Luck is around. I'm very excited now. Uh, It says here, um, it doesn't apply solely to business. Unexpected windfalls, lottery wins, competitions are all par for the course this year. Whoopee! I'm going to win the lottery this year. (laughs) It says, on occasions, you need to protect your assets and pay attention to losses. And then it gives you the dates. March the 30th to April 7th to 9th. I mean, that's doomed. Doomed, aren't I? So that's birthday time. After that, there should be an abundance of finances. The period around June the 3rd and early October is auspicious for property interests. Saturn in Sagittarius is not the fast track to a prosperous career, but you could astonish the world. <coughs> God, I'm gonna be ill. I could astonish the world. I wonder what that'll be. That's what Justin Toper says. I'm obviously gonna be terribly successful. If you're Pisces that we're all we're all together in that, we're all gonna win the lottery, and we're all going to astonish the world. I can't imagine what that could be, actually. I mean I'm so excited. What could I astonish the world in? Perhaps I'll sort of do sort of one-handed juggling. Something like that. Perhaps I'll run away and join a circus. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Oh, who on earth is that poor person on the television with tattoos up her arm? When will women realise that tattoos up your arm are chavvy and horrible? Really ghastly. I mean, it's the lowest common denominator. Oh, she's got them all over her other arm. Oh, good God. She might be something to do with The Apprentice. Difficult to tell, actually. And uh, and then you've got Jade Goody's ex-trainer. What he's doing on there, I've got no idea. It's the second time I've seen him in about a year. He's on there, personal fitness trainer, who's now pontificating on the papers. Hello. What's going on in the world? I thought this was supposed to be a serious journalist programme. <laughs> Never find it here, would we? Uh, the Daily Express, Holly Day on the Beach for Getaway Stars. This is Holly Willoughby. She's on a beach with a photographer and her husband called Daniel. Obviously trying to upgrade him a little bit. His real name's Dan. Keep fit to beat dementia. So that's the that's the sound advice. And as I'm talking to Tom Daly a little bit later on about his new book... Then, uh, of course, I mean, you know, I'm actually quite close to his age. He's sort of 22 and I'm kind of approaching 100 from the other side. So it doesn't, doesn't matter, though, does it, really? Honestly, heavens above, you're as young as you feel.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Something about fitness trainers I can't kind of do my head in. Uh, I don't know why. I'm always fascinated by people who are fitness trainers. So uh, we'll wait and find out later, shall we? ISIS declares war on Turkey. Terror group has built extensive network inside the country. This is ISIS who don't like people to enjoy themselves in nightclubs, and yet they would probably, given the opportunity, spend as much time in there as humanly possible. That was one of the reasons they targeted, they say, this particular nightclub in Istanbul. It was full of uh, young, rich, professional people who were just enjoying themselves, just doing nothing else apart from enjoying themselves, and that really, really annoys ISIS. So as a result, 39 people have to lose their lives oh look Helen Mirren there's a surprise isn't there to see her in the newspapers and uh, why is she here why has she been photographed again because she's admitted making an endless litany of mistakes and missteps in her acting career crediting her success with stumbling into the right place at the right time I don't want to be rich and famous she told the Daily Telegraph but she does want another picture taken and so we have another picture taken I did watch the Judy Dench programme that was nice very interesting. Judy Dench and, you know, this, this ability to just not say anything, just look at somebody. And uh, it's just unbelievably interesting. And I like Helen Mirren as well. I'm just a bit bored with the, I'm not great looking, I don't want to wear makeup. It's this it's sort of, it's this endless thing. But they obviously seem to like it, don't they? And so now she says it was just luck. And most people say that to me. When I say to actors, we're very successful, I say, you know, you're very famous for this. And they go, listen, it was just luck. I was just there at the right time. I happened to be the right person that they were looking for, and I happened to get the, happened to get the gig. Uh, the story about the children eating three cubes of sugar at breakfast. Parents are urged to show tough love. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. They're supposed to cut the unhealthy food in a drive against obesity. And so Public Health England have issued this uh, warning. They say that uh, official data shows that more than one in five children start primary school overweight or obese rising to more than one in three by the time they start secondary school. I can't even remember whether we didn't have breakfast at school, I don't think. In fact, I'm pretty certain there was no no breakfast at school. We might have got a bottle of milk halfway through the day, or a little bottle of milk, but that was about it, actually. But some schools now offer breakfast, don't they, because they say that kids are not eating properly at home, so they offer the breakfast. The more I keep seeing somebody reviewing the papers on Sky, the more I keep thinking: tattoos up your arm, really chavvy and naff. Would they employ a presenter? I ask myself. If they had tattoos coming up the side of their neck, you know, who was uh, maybe fronting a programme? And the answer is: of course they wouldn't. Of course they wouldn't. And yet they don't mind it. In the uh, in the third-rate guests, it says no, they would. T- it just looks so dreadful, so so dreadful. Sound like a snob. Uh, the Times do better, or be prepared to stand down. Key ally urges urges Corbyn. They say if he doesn't, uh, this is this is Len McCluskey he said. Mr Corbyn and John McDonnell, the Shadow Chancellor, were not egomaniacs and wouldn't try to cling on at the head of the party. Also, a picture of Kushi Shah. This is the fashion designer who lost her life in the nightclub in Istanbul. Uh, the police are claiming that. Uh, the net is closing in on the gunman. Uh, he filmed a video of himself in central Istanbul. Uh, special forces have stormed a block of flats in the city. They found images of him. They found his fingerprints, so they know who it is. Um, he's been on the run for two days. It won't last much longer. There will be a shootout, and, uh, and he will die in it. But, of course, he probably doesn't care, so he's probably just enjoying his last few days. Rail fares six times higher than in Europe. Commuters fleeced. As the service worsens. Isn't it funny? I must be the only one who never complain. Only occasionally have I complained about the service. I go from Waterloo, which is one of our busiest railway stations. and I think the staff down there are brilliant. I think they're great. Most of the trains seem to run on time. Most of the trains seem to get me home at the at a reasonable time. I just don't understand why people sort of complain about the railways. Perhaps where you're coming from, it, re- it truly is dreadful. But I promise you, I mean, I, I really don't. I know that the trains are busy. But then, you know, that's by the very nature of it, isn't it? We're always being encouraged, you know, don't take your car into town. There's nowhere to park the blooming thing. Come in by, by train, come in by bus, come in by underground. But they're all packed. Given the choice, I'd rather go train overground than underground train. Because it's different. It seems to be different people on the underground. Mostly asleep. I've never known. There must be some, some sort of calming effect on people. When you go on the underground in London and anywhere, really, it's sort of a go... And you just go to sleep and it's dark. Sometimes the lights flash on and off. I I quite like it. But who's operating the doors on the underground? Is it the driver or is it a guard? Because I've never seen a guard on the underground. I'm sure they must exist uh, unless it's now uh, the drivers who operate that. Because I get quite confused with who's supposed to be operating the doors and why we've got to have it because it's safer this way or not safer that way. And all I keep thinking is, well, I've never had any problems on the train. We've never broken down. Never I got quite panicky the other day. We went to Winter Wonderland, and a friend of mine said to me that at one particular theme park, and I think it was Knott's Berry Farm in America, which is very famous, uh, their ride got stuck up in the air. They were up there for eight hours, and in the end, they had to bring them down. Firemen by ropes. They tied them. Whoa! I felt physically ill. They said, "Don't worry. They do this all the time." I'm like, do they? Wow. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And they brought people down on ropes because they've been up there so long. I think eight hours was that the average. And that's what you worry about, isn't it? You don't expect... And that's at one of the biggest theme parks in America. Knott's Berry Farm is very, very famous. I can't remember why it's famous apart from just being a theme park. The Guardian this morning, eight arrested over Istanbul attack as ISIS claims responsibility... They're such a bunch of old girls, aren't they, Isis? They really are, these old men hanging around holding hands with each other. Slightly disturbing. Labour warns cocktail of risks could leave party with 150 MPs. And uh, somebody said here, Labour has virtually no chance of winning outright in the next election, the report by the Fabian Society concludes, and instead should seek ways to win power with the support of parties such as the Lib Dems and SNP arguing it's the only feasible route into government for now. Well, they've already done that, haven't they? We've had the Lib Lab Pact, and uh, they were constantly aligning themselves with somebody, somebody to just sort of try and, uh, try and get a little bit further in. Children, they say, eat half of their sugar allowance at breakfast. Well, that'll be cereal. That'll be cereal or, you know, Nutella or any of these other spread jams and stuff like that. Always really, really difficult. People actually end up, eating all the wrong kind of food for breakfast, mainly because I think parents go, it's quite easy, you just put food out there. Uh, We always, uh, I stop off by a pub in Waterloo and they always have a buffet running inside and I've often thought it must be quite nice to actually be, you know, in the pub to actually get the buffet in the morning because the thing you're going to go for is toast. The thing you're going to go for is sausages or bacon, maybe some beans, some fried bread and that apparently is all the stuff that's bad for you. That's the kind of stuff that people say, shouldn't be eating that. And you go, but actually that kind of makes me feel a bit better about myself. You know, the, the, uh, the truck stop cafes and the cafes all over the place. It's very nice. We had one, didn't we, in Islington, I think, or something. And they just serve cereal. And people are complaining, oh, they're charging a fortune for it. Well, don't go there. Try and grow up and be an adult, at least. And it's a case of what is supposed to be healthy for us. The answer is exercise. Exercise is the healthy thing which is, you know, kind of thing that puts most people off. Most people go, oh, I don't want to do exercise. I know people here in this building, seriously, who go for a run either coming into work, madness, or failing that finishing. Tom, Tom the producer of Nigel Farage, all this week, he goes for a run most of the time after he's finished working. He'll go for a run all the way round Camden and back round. he do two circuits. Seriously, mad as a toothbrush. Mad as a toothbrush. But he's fit. And he probably feels really good. People who are fit, if they don't do their exercise, they feel lethargic. They feel very sort of, Ooh, can't believe, you know, I don't want to do anything. And it's uh, and, it, and it's amazing. I've never got to that. You get to the I think you get to the situation where you're doing exercise, where all your endorphins, I think, kick in. And it's like sex, apparently, except you're by yourself. And uh, it is, it's supposed to be like that. It, sort of, it releases all these endorphins inside you. Well, I've never got to that situation. And I have been to gymnasiums over the years. And I, what? And I have, you know, done the exercise and I've had a trainer and they sort of, off you go three circuits and you go, you're having a laugh, aren't you? So you do your three circuits, then you have to do your sit ups, then you have to do the rowing. And of course, if you kept it up day in, day out for months, you would undoubtedly be a lot fitter. But I just haven't got the energy for it at the moment. I think it's something to do with diabetes. Although, actually, diabetics will now be writing in for me for tomorrow, going, of course you can do exercise. It's as easy as that. Uh, Charlie Gerling, as you know, who looks after our entertainment department, gorgeous Charlie, she runs into work. She says, it means I can drink more wine. I mean, the fact she's doing it at nine in the morning is neither here nor there. It's not up to me to comment on this sort of thing. But it's true. When I was when I was going to the Barbican Health and Fitness Club years ago as part of an experiment, an experiment to see if we could get the weight down. And, uh, and I had a had a trainer. They very kindly provided a trainer. and We were doing it for, for the telethon to make some money. And, um, and I had to admit that I was eating better at the end of the day than I was beforehand. Beforehand, i go, oh, I'll have a bacon roll or I'll have this and that. And then you think, no, no, don't have that. So I was having frozen yoghurt, which, believe you me, it was delicious. If you're actually on a diet and you end up being allowed a little treat, that's the, like, whoopie-doo thing, isn't it? It's sort of great. But as Charlie knows, we've got uh, Tom Daly in today and I'm just going to be feeling like Mr. Blobby. I'm going to have to dim the lights in the studio so that he doesn't really see what the real... I'll just talk to him from behind a veil... You know, so Tom, tell me, you know, and I won't be seen at all. There'll just a little shadow, like like going into a confessional booth. Anyway, listen, have a fantastic day. I'm sorry it's your first day back at work. We've been doing it all the way through Christmas and New Year and uh, and loved every minute of it. Don't forget, we have a free podcast up for you. You can uh, listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. If you download the free LBC app for the mobile or tablet, you will never miss a moment. I promise you, worth Worth absolutely everything. Free podcast every day, not just from me. A number of other people do one as well. Uh, James O'Brien's back from his uh, holiday, leading Britain's Conversation at 10. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Show. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. So just remember, it's Tuesday today. OK, that's the thing you have to remember, because most of you will be going, oh, it's Monday. Because that's all I've had over Christmas. People saying, I can't remember what what day of the week it is. And I've gone, well, I'm telling you today is Tuesday, the 3rd of January. Some of the school's back today, some of them back tomorrow. But uh, stay with me on LBC. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at four. Right now, though, back after the Christmas break with breakfast. It's Nick
0: Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4 a.m. Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5 a.m.